Hello, everybody. It's Roll Friends on Monday Madness, and welcome back to the That Was Liquid Football podcast. Woo! We've been off for a couple of weeks, lads, because of the interlull, and boy, do we need that break, because so many... So many things happened in that time, guys. Am I right? Yeah. Wow. It's definitely a lull in which stuff happened. It certainly was. Really was. It was terrible. It was just fucking terrible. Let's be honest, lads. It was bad. It was really, really bad. Like, I mean. I'm sad it happened and I'm sad it's over. Same here. Same here. (laughs) Like, like genuinely, the only thing that really has, like, cheered me up is the fact that, like, Prince Philip died. That was was the only thing that took my mind (laughs) off the interlull. So, um, so yeah, let's let's start off with that. I suppose. I mean, we, we don't have a we don't have a, a majorly structured show. We're just gonna like see where the conversation takes us about the football we've we've that's happened over the last couple of weeks. And I think the uh, the only place we can really start off with is is the football close to home, and that's with the Ireland national team. So, uh, in case you missed it, the World Cup qualifiers uh, kicked off a couple of weeks ago. And just in time for the Euros that we won't be taking part in, either as a host town or as a co- as a competitor. And um, so, uh, it, it will be official, I think, because the the criteria is that we need to have an audience, and I don't think they're in a position to have crowds in. Uh, unless they do with your old office, you could have counted as an audience. That's, that's that's true. That's maybe maybe that's the way to get around this. It's like let's bring all the health workers into a stadium and let them cough on each other. They'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, I don't know. I I think they'll. I think we know. Like in I think it's two weeks. We have two weeks to decide basically whether to like have like people attending or not. And if we don't, then we lose the spot. Then it goes to Wembley. So once again, <laughs> another thing: the Brits are taking office. Oh my um, god! We can't let this happen. I know, I know, it's awful. Considering there's so much corruption went into getting that in the first place, it just seems like <laughs> such a waste to let it go. But anyway, all the um, trees for those poor brown envelopes. Uh, <laughs> no, honestly, all the corruption got to anymore. waste is almost as if it was for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so yeah, let's let's talk about the Ireland Ireland uh, camp because. Um, <laughs> There is a lot to talk about there. So we started off the campaign with a 3-2 loss against Serbia. Now, I'll be honest, lads. I'm just shocked that we scored two goals, let alone that we just lost. Two that good was actually, goals? Yes. That was a scary part. A good goal. Like, the first goal was really fucking good. Like, we took the lead. Like, that first yes. goal was really fucking good. Like, the way Robinson hung it up mm. uh, in the air perfectly, just over. Like, it was one of those chipped balls where no matter how high the defender jumps, just goes over him. But yeah. it starts to dip the instant it goes past him. So it's just perfect for the guy he's marking. Mm. Dunk straight in. Uh, no, it was really, really good. I, I, I very much enjoyed um, that game. <laughs> yes, that, that, that was enjoyable because, and we might get talked about it later, like sometimes if you're playing good football and losing, you can kind of, palette that a bit better than like you know mm. like at the minute Arsenal are not playing well and we're losing so it's not very palatable but like when you're playing well and you can just see that it was an unlucky goal it was an unlucky decision you can kind of take that a bit easier than maybe the next game we're going to talk about with Ireland because Indeed. um like there was some really good passages of play and that like it was like a sucker punch at the end to go three two down um but like we played really well and it was really, really encouraging. And everyone was like, oh, look at the football, Steve Kenny's brother. Steve Kenny. Yeah. yeah. It was the first time, yeah. Yeah, that didn't <laughs> sound right when I said it. Um, 
<laughs> like it was like, oh, he's doing great stuff with the lads. Look, he's actually getting us playing football. And then he forgot how to do that. Well, no, he didn't forget. The players forgot. Yes. So to cement, to further cement the fact that we are nowhere near good enough for the World Cup, we lose one nil at home to Luxembourg, and. Uh, like let's be fair, it wasn't that change. It, it was a change team from the Serbia game because obviously there was we kind of needed to in that sense. And um, but like they, they as kind of you said it there, Burke but the players just didn't know how to play football, and that was very much evident, you know. And it's it's kind of it's it's kind of a pity because like uh, I suppose one kind of observation of this like of the, the change from Mick McCarthy to Stephen Kenny is that this the the players just don't seem to be capable of the style of football. I don't know what your guys' thoughts on it are, but, like, it's a very big tactical change because you're talking from, like, a very basic, like, but belt and braces, like, system to, like, actual football where you have to pass the ball and be honest with it, you know? Look at where these players that are playing for the Irish team are playing in terms of their clubs. And none of those clubs play passing slick football. Like, I can't think of a single club of any of those players that plays that type of passing and passing mm. and triangles and creating space and no one does that. Uh, so they are not, they're playing mostly belt and braces football for their clubs yeah. uh, or if they are doing pass and move. It's at a much slower pace in the championship um, or uh, was it Anderlecht? Um, mm. You know, like it's not, it's not necessarily like the big leagues. Um, yeah, and they're just, he's inherited a crop of players that maybe at a juvenile level might have looked to have a huge ceiling, but now that they've kind of come up to the senior level, that ceiling has kind of hit them on the head mm. and they're not going to progress further than that. And it's, it's disappointing, but it's also, I don't really particularly blame Kenny on this. Uh, it's more kind of, shockingly, I'm going to blame the FAI for this. Yeah. Um, but it, it is the lack of development. We have that really good under-21 squad from a few years ago. Most of those players have dropped off the radar in terms of you've got you know, Jack Byrne, he's gone off to Cyprus. You've got, like, I can't even name. So, like, they're, they're playing either their second or third choice strikers in the Premier League for low division, low teams in the division, or yeah. they're um, playing for championship or lower teams. And it's just... You can't do much with that when you're up against players and teams that have, you know, the might and strength of Luxembourg. Absolutely, um, yeah. I mean, I, we've been saying this before, like, you know, Luxembourg are just too powerful. And they've got all the politics and we just Luxembourg can't compete with that. Um, and, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and um, South Luxembourg, because they're just too strong a nation. I agree, I agree. Um, but yeah, like it, it's kind of I kind of mirror your thought there in a sense because you mentioned like the likes of those kind of players that Stephen Kenny would have worked with personally as under twenty one coach, and you're thinking of the likes of like Connolly, um, Ida, Malumbi, um, and perhaps Cullen as well to a less to a to a smaller extent. But it's always the same case. Like I don't think, I don't I don't think Stephen Kenny is really at fault for this. And again, perhaps we, we can kind of talk about that more a bit. Um, but. Like I don't, I think he's inherited a very bad draw, and the trouble is that he's trying to do something that's very highbrow in terms of Irish football. Like it's, like it's been, it's been since like the eighties that we've tried to actually play that really pure football. But the difference in the eighties was we had the players to do it. Like when you have a mid- midfielders like Ronnie Whelan, 
Johnny Giles and Robbie Brady, like in different generations, obviously, those actual maestros on the ball, that's very easy to do because like you could, you like, like Robbie Brady was an artist. Robbie Brady, do you hear me? A, uh, Liam Brady was an artist on the ball. Like he was an actual, like, like, like there's like fucking Perlo, Javi Alonso. They don't hold a fucking candle to, to Brady when it comes to possession. Like he was brilliant at it, you know? So it's very easy to, 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 to build a team around something like that. We have never made a midfielder as good as that since then. Like Roy Keane was close, but he was a very different beast. You know, we've never Even Ireland. Stephen Ireland, yeah, perhaps, and then he acted the bollocks like a complete tit, um, yeah. and even then, like Grealish, <laughs> yeah, we produced Grealish, yeah. Yeah. actually Grealish, yeah, fair yeah. point, yeah, but so, um, but yeah. yeah, but even then, like it's it's the kind of thing where like, and I've I've always observed, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, that we have never been able to, we don't encourage talent in our for Irish football, like if we have a precocious talent, we do our best to ruin it. Like, where's well, Hulin? How long well, does it take for him to get into the system? The problem is, is that fundamentally what you need is centres of excellence. Mm. You know, that's where, that's where the English tooled all of their under-21s. They, they tooled their underage uh, age groups towards the centres of excellence. And it's worked really, really well for them. other countries do as well. I mean, fuck me. Have you seen the England under-21 squad? Fuck me, it's stacked. That'll give the most senior squads a fucking great game. It is. But the tragic brilliant. thing about it is that they are they are managed by a completely inept like ADB yeah. squad, and they got knocked out of the of the Euros like in the group stages. And the they were the fa- they were the favourites. Like see the fucking like the squad that they've got like like the transfer. I think somebody totaled it up. Like it's like half a billion in transfer fees you'd get for that squad. Like, yeah. and that's their under twenty ones. Like it's ridiculous. The issue with Ireland is is that we've only got one centre of excellence and it's got nothing to do with the FAI. It's St. Kevin's boys was set up mm. <laughs> outside of the FAI. It's got nothing to do. It's not in their framework. Yeah. And every fucking Premier League player that Ireland produced has gone through St. Kevin's boys. Duff. Keen. Both Keens. Yeah. Um, fucking, I, I don't think Coleman did. But Coleman no, Coleman was like, I think he was, you know, uh, I think Long could be there as well because I think he yeah. may have Come through that. Uh, Brady, Robbie Brady was one. Robbie Brady. Um, Hulahan. Hulahan, yeah. I think, yeah, Doyle was one as well. Yeah, you're right. Um, God, there's so many, like, yeah. And, and like I said, they all went through that. But again, it kind of illustrates they, the point they that they. Yeah, like the FAI, they are missing a trick with that, like, obviously. But as well, to get those centers of excellence, you'd need, like, not infighting among the regions of where it would be based. Actually, funnily enough, one of the St. Kevin's Boys alumni was the guy you were waxing lyrical about earlier on, Liam Brady. He went through there. There you go. Yeah. You know? Fucking, I'm like, I've just got a list of them there. Yeah, Shimmy Hendrix is there. Ian Hart. He was actually really good. Ian Hart. Yeah, Ian Hart. A soft spot for Ian Hart. Duffer, Stephen Carr, he went through there, former uh, Birmingham player, yeah. You know, uh, loads of them. I mean, uh, Josh Barrett as well, the Bristol Rovers guy, he's came through there. They all mm. came through there. Um, and it's just like, after they come out of St. Kevin's Boys, there's no development path for them. Yeah. Well, actually, funnily enough, there isn't help because St. Kevin's Boys signed an agreement with Bowes. Mm. Um, but... Uh, so yeah, like it's fucking, but that's just it. Like the one center of excellence we have that trains our best players has nothing to do with the football association that those players eventually will wind up playing for. 
Yeah. She's kind of like, there's just no, if, if, even if you're not a football minded person, you just know that just, that's just not going to fucking work. It's a flaw. It's, a, it's, a, it's the biggest lie you could possibly have. Like, it's, it's not even a blind spot. It's just, it's a link in the chain that's not there. And like, that, it's kind of showing now because, like, look, I get it. People are trying to, like, big up these kind of like these young stars, like the likes of your, your, your Cullens and so forth. But let's face it, like, we have gone from, like, having a team of Premier League um, talents, the likes of your Duffs, your Finnans, your Keens, to championship level players. And they are championship level players. Let's be delicate about this. James Collins should not be an international player. Neither should Scott Hogan or uh, James McLean now at this point. McLean has been a great servant for Ireland, but he's just not the standard anymore. If there was a better left winger out there, he would not be in the scene. You know? And yeah. Yeah. yeah, to be fair, like again, if there was no rules, McCabe would win their hand over fist. And but the thing is that there's no one there to take these places. Like, how long have we waited to replace Robbie Keane? I don't think we ever have, really. No, we absolutely like as much as I do love Schlong, like he's not prolific enough to hmm. head the team. Like he does like no one can fault his work rate, no one can fault his you know, hold up play. Yeah, his, yeah. but he needs like where he shines as a striker is kind of with another striker, but we don't play with a second striker if we do play like any other forward attacking player. There just isn't enough cohesion there. But mm. yeah, we. But I I can't see where these players are coming from. And conversely, in the women's game, um, the WNL obviously it's a completely different standard because the WNL only in the last few years have gotten funding to properly run, um, let alone you know exist um but we have a senior squad that is bleeding out of like the is getting like these young kids uh go in the senior squad and they're they're holding their own because of the standard that they are given and that is from like you said it's not necessarily the fai this is individual clubs in the, you look at Pima united obviously they have fai backing but they have really put a focus into their women's team they mm. really like bring them up. They have equal status for the pitches. Um, well, they're they're pretty much the number one team in Piedmont. Like there's, you know, it's just yeah. there, and there's like <laughs> their standard of pitches is like brilliant. Um, but like you've got this young talent. You can see, okay, right. Well, once Anya Gorman retires, you've got people like Kiva Keenan coming through. You've got um, a couple of the girls from like the last night in the or the other day in the last night. I can't. Mm, yeah. I'm, I can't figure anything out. Um, there was like five players from the WNL in that international squad in a friendly. I do not understand it's a friendly, but it's getting these players who are able to hold their own against the likes of Catherine Bay and Pernille Harder, and they mm. were able actually to do it. And it just shows that the littlest bit of encouragement and investment into can make such a difference. But these kids and boys, I'm going to focus on the boys in this case, are just being churned out to try and be the next Jack Byrne. They shouldn't mm. be looking to be the next Jack Byrne. No offence to Jack Byrne, but they should be looking to be the next Roy Keane as much as I hate him. They should be looking to be the next Robbie Keane as much as I love him, despite him being a spud. But like, <laughs> but they're, they're, they're not being... I suppose it's, like, they're not being given the resources um, to achieve any better than League of Ireland status. They're yeah. not going to be given the resources because they're spread so finely, the resources among all the different clubs, unevenly as well. 
that like no player has the chance. Um, and you've got, I, I know personally of a, a player from the Republic of Ireland who was given the chance to play for a championship team and it was the deal was scopered based on the FAI refusing to uh, refusing the amount paid to his boyhood club. Um, they wanted at least twenty grand more for, uh, for, for the boyhood club for him to get the transfer to a uh, you know championship team. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a ridiculous man because why would they're selling, they're buying a kid who is very much unproven but has obviously a good feeling um yeah. you know of ability and the FAI scuppered that deal so how is he going to like how is he expected to you know progress when the FAI themselves are scuppering deals to go to actual centers of excellence and actual you know competitive football because the club you were talking about because we we've had this conversation about this one and like this the club he's going to weren't minnows like they weren't like a small club this is a a former premier league club with fantastic training facilities and quite a very good use system because two of their players are getting signed by munich this summer so they have a pedigree of developing young players so like that's a that's a very good example of the fai not advocating for their own and i think that's kind of the key word there like when you look at that uh, and again, it's a great comparison with the women's team because in a sense, the women's team have kind of compiled together almost by accident, in a sense. It's not by design. But you know what the great thing is? Now you have that, you can that, that progression is there. It's actually happening organically, which is wonderful. With the men's team, the gap between domestic and international is too big. Whereas in the women's game, it's there's enough of a crossover there where you can bring people in, girls in from the WNL, get them get their feet wet in international football, and to take to it, then have them on the on reserve or have them on call for the next internationals. If you have friendlies on, or say whatever our group gets, and we're getting up against a weak team, bring them on, I'll give them half an hour, get them starting, whatever. And just my last point on that in the uh, women's game. Playing for your club, playing for the country in Ireland is almost like um, a shop window for clubs. Absolutely, it's, yeah. It's the opposite for the men's game, whereas they're trying to play their best football at club level to be able to get the chance to play for the international. Whereas yeah. because the women, there's such a focus on trying to get women promoted through the league to try and say like, oh, if you're playing the WNL, you have a chance of playing for Ireland. So mm. let's bring it forward. That brings on the competitiveness. Yeah. And that brings on... Um, the drive and like Katie McCabe was playing for Ireland and she got spotted playing. Um, I know it was for uh, the shells that she was playing for in as a 16 year old. Shells, and yeah. they were like oh, a couple of clubs looking at her. They're like, Look, she's a bit too young now. Like, you know, we might look at her in a few years, but then they saw her at like playing international football and they're like, Actually, she's pretty good. Okay, let's wait until like she's finished school or whatever and put in an offer like that. And it's yeah, it's just uh accidentally the women's thing is run better but with obviously the shoestring budget and kind of accidentally it's not actually by design that they're doing well but it's kind of the same principle uh, as in kevin's boys the actual intention is to develop those players is to make them and again the perfect example um, a very recent example is amber barrett who was playing domestically for a long time and clone just said we'll have her and signed her straight away based off how she was playing for in the league but also crucially for ireland because was it Colin Bell that gave her her first break and like was a big like kind of like a uh, big patron of hers in a sense. 
and because she he kind of like he has a, a lot of sway in, in in women's football for for his experience for his time there like his word went a long he also, way he also and, knows he also knows what he's doing it was him who made uh McCabe captain mm. yes definitely and like and again that kind of proves it as well when you have the right people in charge and they brought and again colin bell will probably get a lot of credit for the infrastructure he put in you'd probably say because again you can imagine there was fuck all there to work with and yeah that was his legacy even though he wasn't manager for too long he made it his kind of um remit that if you're going to have me as a manager we're going to have to set up some sort of you know line of production here um and yeah he like it so far as the last few years Vera Pau has had the pickings of players she's had he's had the headache of trying to go find players who were able to play for Ireland and now she's got the headache of trying to pick the ones who are the best to play for Ireland and crucially who can best suit her system of play because she plays a very Dutch style so and that and that works for our girls as well because they're actually quite good footballers in their, in their own right whereas in the men's side they're too functional they don't have that kind of imagination that like the women's team seem to have when they're when they're when they're playing like properly attacking football so in a way, like I, I suppose it's a kind of a good point. Like, if we're kind of bringing this back to the men's side, like about the the whole kind of quandary with Stephen Kenny, like how would you assess his job as gone? Because obviously, on the footballing side, there's positives and negatives. Like you can tell he's trying to do something really like complex there, but doesn't seem to have the tools to do it. Is it better for him? Do you think he's getting he's able to make that infrastructure to make that Irish team, or is it more of a case that we need to go a bit more short term? Like, what would you think is the best way of going forward? Like I look at a like a builder and it's like, oh, you have a really, really skilled builder, but will the house he's building actually stand up? Mm. Um, or are you gonna wait until the right equipment comes in and that could be five or six years down the line before you can actually live in your house? Yeah, sure. exactly. I mean, um the podcast I, I listened to, like they they said uh, actually this is funny because this is a kind of been a constant argument for the Ireland national team you know, as to how do you structure it? Like, do we keep playing ab- agricultural football because it's what works for us? Or, you know, do we try and, you know, mm-hmm. play like other teams and actually tr- play a, a tr- try and play a normal style of football or a modern style of football? And you just replay the clip from Jack Charlton. And Jack Charlton's just like, no, man, like, <laughs> don't try and play like they do because they've had years to build it up. And if yeah. we try and play like they do, it's going to be six years before we're at the level where we need to be to start competing that we are now. What you do is you get it up, get the ball in the air, you work hard, you win every second ball, you put them under pressure. That's where that, like, it's his whole, the whole interview is where that put them under pressure croak comes from. And people use that as a kind of, it's a meme now virtually. But if you actually listen to that entire interview, it's really fucking good. And even though he said it back in the early, oh, Jesus Christ, he said like nearly 20, over 20 years ago, yeah. it's still actually relevant now. And it's kind of going, right, yeah, well, you know, we can't play like other teams because we don't have those players. Mm. So, you know. So you advocate for Stephen Kenny perhaps to kind of like, to ease up on whatever like intricate stuff he wants to do. No, and some of some of what he's doing works. For instance, going three at the back, fuck yes, do that. Um, you know, go in with the youngsters. You know, yeah, um, I that, yeah. That's just it. Like he's done a lot of things well, but the problem is, is like, like don't be afraid to kind of go right. Well, like 
front load your team with a lot of speedy youngsters and then just have your defenders and midfielders just fucking kick it. You know, like um also I'm not a far I'm not an I'm not an advocate of playing players who don't play for their clubs. Mm-hmm. Um we yeah. suffered for that against <laughs> fucking Serbia. Um Jesus Christ, like mm. two of those goals like were awful and were pure goalkeeper mistakes. Yes. And I was very confused. I was like, why is he not going Bazunu? I'm like all right, Bazunu, like he plays at a lower level, but he plays. Mm. <laughs> you know, like Travers doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and there's a reason but, for that, you can tell. And they're, and they're, well, it's like, yeah, we, we fucking, I was like, well, the, the thing is that Travers isn't a good, bad goalkeeper, but that was the game that a goalkeeper who doesn't play, play like that's how a goalkeeper who doesn't get fielded yeah. plays. Simple yes. as that. They make those stupid mistakes. You know, they don't, like when bot little short little balls around the corner, they don't come out and smother them because they're just not sharp enough to get onto them. You yeah. know, uh, they spend ridiculous amounts of time off their line because they feel, oh, I have to be further ahead to get to these balls. It was like, because he doesn't trust himself. You know, and yeah, so I think, well, he's partially at fault for the first goal, definitely at fault for the second one. Um, you know, so that's just it. Like, Bazuna didn't make any of those types of mistakes because he's like, He's playing thirty games a season. Yeah. So yeah, I, that that's the thing. Like I, he he does he's doing stuff right and he's doing stuff wrong, like every manager. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I mean, just like you have to play to your strengths, you know, not to your opponent's weaknesses. And I think we've got a lot of speedy youngsters who just want the ball. I was like, well, just tell them. It's like, hang on that defender's shoulder. We'll just hit the ball over. And you run. Yeah. And all right, then you might have to make 10, 15, 20 of those runs. Take a look at Long. Like, Long, yeah. Long will make 30 fucking sprints a game. Easily. Is there an argument that perhaps what? You'll throw into the 30 the players? As into the squad. In the same way that we have this kind of system with the WNL and the Irish FA, uh, the Irish women's team. Granted, I know like there is a bit of a gulf in there. But even in the case, like, if we, if we have a 25 man squad and you kind of know yourself what your starting 11 is, is it not worthwhile throwing in some of those players as an X factor? And if they do impress and train, if they've got a target, if they've got something to earn for. Let's just say, I'm just throwing names out here, for example, but say you bring in someone like Graham Burke, who's playing for, who plays fantastically for Shamrock Rovers, who has been a championship level player for a long time. You bring him in, he's comfortable where he's playing in Ireland. Like he's happy in the League of Ireland. And I think a lot of it has to do with that too. Like I don't want to have players playing for Ireland who are not happy in the camp. I want people. I want players who want to earn their cap the right way. In the same way, and again, if I'm not mistaken, like Burke already has a cap for Ireland, and he scored against America. So like he has form in, in wanting to play for the jersey. So I want that. I want. I know it's from my point of view. I know like the level is is a, is a concern. But if you're looking for people for the squad depth, I'd look League of Ireland more than I would say the SPL or League One. I would look there because I want to go for players who are doing well domestically. And would that, perhaps be rewarded with that. That that is a really good shout because I thought you could put them in the shop window. They get brought on by a championship team. They get you know if we're taking yeah. Graham Burke, you might like get another spell at a championship team. Does a bit well. That team gets promoted to the Premier League. He's now a Premier League player. Now I know mm. that's lots, lots, and lots of conjecture there, but like that that is a path 
way for someone getting out of the Irish League and promoting themselves and getting better and getting the experience yeah. of playing against top teams. Um, yeah, no, it, it is it's very deflating. I don't think I've ever been as um, sickened watching an Irish match. And there's like no, there's Ireland versus um, Spain 2002, was it? Like yes. that was a foot wrencher. That is one of the worst uh, memories of football I I've ever have. But, um, together. Um, but the um, but that was just like I did not want to watch it. It was horrible to watch. It was painful to watch. And it was like it wasn't even like a car crash where you're just like, oh, I need to see how this ends. It's like no, I actually am so apathetic towards this. I do not care. Yeah. Um, and I had it on just. I suppose to see the Luxembourg goal that I knew it was coming up. Yeah, there was just inevitable. There was a real inevitability of, of of them scoring, and that's down to us because we just did not do enough. Like there was like barely any chances on goal. And the worst thing about it is like I, I and this kind of ties to my card later on, so I'll come back to this point. But it was just a case of like, there was just a, a distinct air of resignation about the result. It was a case of like, oh, of course it's going to happen. Luxembourg are a serious outfit. It's like it's Luxembourg. They have the catchment of the county Louth. Like you're you're being beaten by Louth. Like that, no, that that should never happen in any context, regardless of if they have a structure or not. You know, that if anything just shows you how little our country is doing about football. Like they literally do not give a shit about this, you know, if that's the case. And yeah, like I, I couldn't I, I in a way, like I wasn't surprised, I wasn't disappointed. I um, if anything, I was just annoyed that it happened. And yeah. we were kind of, I was kind of like, my fears are proven right that this team really do not, are not World Cup uh, standards. They're not World Cup quality. Um, and I don't think they will be for the next four to six years. Like, I don't, I don't see us qualifying for Qatar. And I would say we'd be an outside chance for the, even the World Cup after that because no, I don't I, see, I, I don't see where the players are going to be coming through personally. But that might be a fantastic opportunity for the women's team who are very much capable of qualifying. Like they missed out yeah. by like a hair's breadth, like the, you know, for the last campaign. They, you know, hopefully that will get the FAI kind of like, oh, let's pump a load of resources into the only mm. team that we actually have a chance of getting silverware. Maybe not even silverware, but like getting to a final, getting to a quarterfinal. And I genuinely think we have the ability to get there. Too. I do too. I completely agree with that. I see. I see so many similarities between the the squad of girls we have now to the two thousand and two team. Like you have, perhaps you don't have a pro- prolific goal scorer, but we have goals in this team. You know, regard what one way or the other. We have a prolific you, forward. We've got a uh, Katie McCabe, who can also fill in our left see, You see, Katie McCabe for me is like the is like the Duff analog in this team. Like just someone who just like who just like bolts forward. I think she actually through. loves that. Right? Um, she's an ex Chelsea fan. Um, oh, well then, yeah, so I so think she loves that, that uh, comparison. Yeah, but even then, look, we have so many like talented players in that team, like Denise O'Sullivan, and um, we have a great trust. We have a great midfield, full stop. And even then, like, um, even from a Liverpool standpoint, we've got like Neil Fahey, who has been actually not too bad as a centre, like as a as a kind of like a, a CDM slash centre back. She's she kind of plays like as a as a CDM in like a back four, but as a Centre back in back three, and she's quite good there because she she's able to kind of bring the ball out from defence. When the likes of say 
Quinn and whoever else she's pairing up with doesn't oh, have okay. to go out. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that doesn't, and that means that, that the likes of our Gorman and, and McCabe don't have to kind of keep pulling back to get the ball. And like Jarrett can move somewhere else and, and our Payne, sorry, doesn't have to come back down to get the ball. So it works really well. And um, because we had, a, we had the friendly against Denmark uh, yesterday and we lost 1 0. Um, like a sloppy goal to start off, but we did grow into the game after a while, like in fairness. We were totally on top in the second half. Like, absolutely. We created the chances. Their keeper was on fire. And mm. um, the post kept us out twice. Like, it was, uh, you know, it was just unlucky that we weren't able to. I, I don't think we necessarily deserved to win, but maybe definitely get an, uh, an equaliser. Just my final point there, just to kind of consolidate my point of the WNL being a, a window shop or shop window, sorry, Jamie Finn, who plays for Shelburne, who is actually one of the players I earmarked um, as one of the live matches. I said, Jonathan, she's one yeah, to yeah. watch. And she was tasked with um, marking Perniel Harder. Did Perniel Harder score yesterday? She did not. No, <laughs> he did not. Did nope. she get this yesterday? No, but Jamie Finn, I think, ran every blade of grass in Tallah Stadium. She was everywhere. She, and, mm. like, even though she was tasked as being, like, a... CDM sort of player. Um, she was breaking forward. She was linking up with Denise O'Sullivan, something fierce. Like it was just, she got player of the match and I called it. I was like, she, she was just brilliant. So, um, and like that, I think she'll probably play out this season with Shells, but I'm sure she's going to have a professional contract now offered, like being thrown at her from different clubs now in the FAWSL. Yeah, like she, because she, she kind of plays a few, she can play a few, a couple of positions because she was wing back last night wasn't she if i recall but she no, can she, also she cdm but she would CDM. normally say um cm or wing for the club as i wasn't too sure yeah because like um because I, I just had a team sheet i thought she was on the wing but um but even now like but having a player like that is great because like you can just put them in different positions based on formation i'm like, surprised she... with the well, i'm surprised with her versatility she hasn't been signed up for arsenal lord yeah. knows we love uh we love we love our players being able to play <laughs> more than one fucking I, I love actually as well for the last 15 minutes of the match they threw Louise Quinn they did a Joe Montemiro and threw, uh, threw Louise Quinn up top <laughs> for the last 15 minutes and she I remember saying like in the chat I was like yeah. oh Quinn's up there like she hasn't really got the ball but every time the ball comes near her everyone panics and just poofs it away which is working <laughs> really well because um, we had the likes of Finn attacking the ball, McCabe attacking the ball, Denise O'Sullivan attacking the ball. So they would, they were always on the second ball. Those mm. tr- like, all of that. Play. And then we had Ellen Malloy come on from, um, uh, she Wexford Hughes or she P. Mount? Wexford, uh, I think, yeah. Wexford Hughes, yeah. Yeah, she came on and like, she's a little flyer. Um, mm. Again, picking up the second ball, but Louise Quinn barely touched it. It was the defenders clearing it, but panicking clearing it and clearing straight to us. And yeah. it was, it was a great tactic, but uh, it, it's so, one low key. It's one thing I do love about women's football is that when there's like a really tall like person on the field, everyone shits themselves. Like it's that it's that kind of like effect. Like you know, with, with like Wendy Reynard, who's like six or four, and like is built like stupidly well. So in the case of like right, we're not getting past her. Let's focus on the other centre back. Right, she just stays there. Right, no one goes <laughs> near her. Okay, we focus on the other one. <laughs> it's great. Like um, yeah. No, so, yeah um, Go for it, yeah. No, just the, the women's international break is on at the minute. So we've just finished the men's one and the women's one is much more interesting and competitive and just all around better football. So um, anyone listening to this who hasn't given women's football a try, 
go for it because it's yeah. actually much more entertaining. Yeah, I think also, the women's the women's national jersey is actually a lot nicer than the men's one. Uh, they're opposite. So the men's away one has that kind of design on it. All right. The home one has it, which is, yeah, I absolutely adore it. I think it's mm. class. Hmm. We Very looked out. Yes, certainly did. And again, that should be a hint of like where they're putting the effort into between the two teams. Like they 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 have the nicest jerseys. Focus on them. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Girls look prettier. They do. They do. And they love shows. Anyway, um, so. Uh, with, after the interval, then we went back to the, uh, the the home drum of the Premier League. Now we only had one match day, so we're not going to go in, into terribly in depth into it. But we are in, more or less into the home stretch of the Premier League. So everyone, bar a couple of stragglers, have played about thirty games. And at the minute, uh, obviously Sheffield are going to be going down. West Brom likely to join them, even though they had a, a lovely result against Chelsea, which was top of the banter scales, has to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, Chelsea were have- Chelsea were taken apart by West Brom. Uh, more fielded by CR7. Um, <laughs> of course, I mean the Irish is for that. <laughs> of course, I mean Callum Robinson Seven, the, the actual CR7, not the other fake one, who's a cod. Um, so cod Bill, for whom the the term was coined. Yes, uh, uh, we should know. So yeah. Yeah, I think I don't think Robinson's ever played a better game in his life. <laughs> no word of a lie, he's had five like Premier goals in the Premier League, and all five of them are against Chelsea. Like, yeah, he just look at the Chelsea one and go, yeah. He's an Arsenal fan or something, but fucking hell, like he he plays with pure contempt against them. Uh, not that I'm complaining, of course, you know, because I played. And <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of them, we still have like a, an, a a fascinating scrap between Fulham and Newcastle. Like Fulham trying their best to not like survive in a weird way playing lovely football but not scoring any goals or winning any games and Newcastle are kind of the opposite they're trying their best to get relegated and still like drawing games it's gas Um, but the way to think about this league is like again we kind of have this weird thing where like there's so many teams in that kind of mid-table that now like wants to get a dip in form they start start getting pulled into this scrap so like Brighton are only three away from Newcastle Burnley one away and then Wolves are like Six points away from a from a relegation battle, which is mad to say, considering how good that team is. But it's just been the nature of the league this year, and um, I don't think they're in major danger. I think it's just uh, it's just the way it is, the way it's been. Southampton got a great win against Burnley, a great comeback victory. Uh, Palace are still there, Leeds are still there. Top ten, Arsenal are sneaking in by goal difference, and Aston Villa are there in ninth. And this is where things get interesting then, uh, in terms of the competition for Europe. We were having a chat about this beforehand, Neil, where it's almost like a competition of who doesn't get seventh. You know, yeah. like oh, I was saying, I was saying there that um, I'd read that apparently Mourinho's no break clause in his contract actually doesn't kick in if they don't qualify for Europe. Mm. Oh no, shit! Now so that's, does that mean they want to get out of Europe? So that apparently, they yeah, they don't want they don't want Europe. Um, which also means that they can't. Uh, attempt to beat Manchester City in the League Cup because that automatically <laughs> gets them into the Europa League. Yes. <laughs> oh, so they have a chance of winning a shy trophy, which is like barely a trophy. Yeah. Oh, this is glorious. This is yeah. glorious news to my ears, Neil. Thank you. This is what I did <laughs> after a torrid night against Slavia Prague. 
This is, you see, this is the thing about this, right? Because like when you look at the league, obviously Arsenal not in contention. Villa realistically won't be there. They might be. They might knock on the conversation for sevens. But really, you're kind of looking at three or four teams that are looking Champions League or bust. Because I think for, like Everton, they don't want to be in the Europa League again because they just did not have fun in that competition. But for Chelsea, Spurs, and Liverpool, their whole structure is based on Champions League qualification. And West Ham are the great gate crashers here. And in a way, you kind of want to root for them because like they shouldn't be there at all. Because like we could live in a future where West Ham are playing Champions League football. I don't think any of us can deal with that right now. We will cross that bridge when we come to it, obviously. But it would literally be the most 2021 thing ever to happen. I think so too. Like it's 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 a kind of thing where like it's it's something that would happen in football manager. And we laugh at football manager for going, <laughs> you made Fernando Torres manager of Aston Villa. That's hilarious. <laughs> P, P, P Mount have won the Europa League. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Turkey. World Cup winners of 2030. But like it's a thing, it, it, it's a sort of thing where like uh because all these teams now, the pressure's on Chelsea, Spurs and Liverpool to actually get into fourth. And in reality, that's the only space available to them. So one team is going to naturally miss out. Um, but like based on form, you'd say West Ham are the team to get there. You know, um, because like I said, like, like they, they just, there's no pressure on them at all. Like they can just keep knocking in. They've only got eight games left in their season. They've nothing else to worry about. Whereas Chelsea still have, like all those other clubs are still fighting on different fronts. And especially for like Chelsea and Liverpool, they're still in Champions League. That's still an option for them to try and go and win the whole thing. And that completely bypasses this whole European Europa League quandary um, on their side. But like, I don't know what your guys' thoughts on this whole, on this kind of run in. Obviously, Man City's going to win and United are going to be comfortably second. Um, do you see Leicester falling into this scrap for Champions League? Do you think they're safe? Um, oh, or- I, th- I think they're safe, but only because I, I think everybody underneath them is going to fucking balls it. Um, okay. West Ham, yeah, they might just they'll they'll get fourth probably they'll stay fourth. Um, you know if they don't get nosebleeds from being up so high. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I I genuinely don't I don't really think the team is the table is gonna I don't think the top part of the table is gonna change very much. Mm. Um, in all fairness. Spurs and Chelsea might duke it out. Like something might happen there. Mm. But uh no, I think to read Chelsea for me because like like they seem like a team that's probably designed more for a knockout phase than they would be for a league. No, so not really. League. I think I think what's happening at Chelsea is that they're a team designed around the player who's not playing well. They're all designed it's all geared towards Timo Werner and he's just he ain't cutting no mustard. Mm. Um and that's just pretty much it, you know. Uh, Tuchel's been brought in as the kind of German whisperer. Um, we, we so, need, and I want to get on with that then. Like, it's it's, it's not, not really working very well for him. No. You know? no, like, he has, um, he sent home one of his German-speaking players now with uh, Rudiger being sent home after scraps with Kepa. Yeah. Mm, never a good sign. Apparently they've made peace and he, he has commanded both players for doing such a thing. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, but like, you know, Kepa has a history of being an arsehole. So like, it's probably just that. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, he's got yeah, form. Probably it's just him being a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man. He's, he's just desperately trying to, he's trying to get sold. That's what it is. He, he just wants out of that fucking club. He's just yeah. like, they're not playing me. I've been found out. I can't play here. Fuck it. Get me out of here, you know? 
Yeah. But um, like that. Chelsea have, they've just, they've just got some real great bright spots there. Mount, um, mm. Chilwell, when he clicks in, it's so good. He's so fucking yeah. good for them. Um, and they've got the ever reliable Giroud. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Why but I, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, that's just pretty much it. Like, it's, it's all mount in much the same way that I reckon a lot of City's thrust is going to be dependent upon Foden. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, mount is going to be that for Chelsea. Yeah. That's the thing, like, yeah. I, like my head, my, like logically, you'd you'd say Chelsea should get past, get ahead of West Ham, and should make top four. Like, and in say, in fairness, like, yeah, uh, logic isn't enough. Logic isn't an no. effect in this season, man. No, it's not. And this, the, yeah, this is the having a laugh, because, boy. Having a laugh, yeah. boy. Because something like that, something like West Ham four plays can physically can tangibly happen here, you know, um, and like. Like obviously, as a Liverpool fan, I'd want to hope that we could make it. Like we'd have to win our all those eight games, and I don't. I think we have to face Man United again. I think that's the that's one of the major matches we have to face in that top in that eight. Like um, now, I was very happy with how we played against Arsenal, but what I would say to that is, I think that game was a lot more about Arsenal being diabolical than Liverpool being good. Oh yeah, we were shit. It was like I have never seen an Arsenal team surrender to that scale against Liverpool before. You know, or like against any team, um, yeah. Um, Orbino, Orbino's new thing this season now is just complete Arsenal doom statting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a title for the video, thank you. And it's fucking awful, like, uh, but apparently, yeah, against uh, Liverpool, we set the lowest XG we've ever set, ever. Yeah, that's that's horrendous. Point two. Oh, <laughs> three, is- three shots in the entire game. Against a against an incredibly leaky defense, like and this this is what I couldn't understand. Like this is why yeah against I wouldn't even mind like if it was a pouring Liverpool team that was smoking all comers like fat Cubans, I'd be like yes. all right, fine, you know we're just not at that level. But this is probably the worst I've ever seen Liverpool play for about ten years. Yeah, yeah, I go um, along. I go, I go along with that. Yeah, at least uh, defensively, definitely. And it's just it's just fucking. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, and mm. I was literally sitting there going like, if. If I had to turn around and went, oh, actually, as it turns out, um, somebody had substituted all the water in our bottles for um, ethanol. Uh, I'd have been like, yeah, you know, I thought that's that's what a player would play like under, uh, you know, after downing like two and a half liters of fucking ethanol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the most annoying thing for me, like, I, like, I, it must be so. Like again, like this is a season. This is a normal season for us because of the the like ridiculous rake of injuries and the ridiculous like uh, like the distinct lack of form between for very specific players, you know. Like, but I can also see that how this season should be an aberration, you know. Like you could you you can imagine that with a preseason with certain players just having just a summer off to recharge and try again next season that we should be at least challenging again for, for titles. Yeah, but the, the, the issue about seasons is that like no season ever occurs in isolation. There's no, very knock true. On effect. Very true. Mm. You know, so qualification, not qualifying for Europe, you may think, oh, that's great because we're only playing, well, at the most twice a week mm. um, for, a, for an entire season. And for most of that season, it'll be once a week. Yeah. Um, you know, so we'll be able to kill it. And you're thinking, yeah, but you're not getting any European money. You know, yeah, and if you've got... Yeah, no, and, and if you, like, don't be wrong, I still, I still think the target for them is to get forward. I think they will try and get it via the back door. Like, they will get it because 
Chelsea may lose a game or Spurs may lose a game or it could even go down to goal difference. It could be a case of like Liverpool having to like, if there's a team like, let's, let's say we're up against Villa now over the weekend and I think Leeds next time. Like, let's, look, we know how like, like bombastic Leeds are. It could be just a case of just outscoring them off the field to get our goal difference up. But it, it's just, and it could be just a case of that um, at the end of it. And of course, then it depends on how the Champions League goes as well. But I think that is less likely now considering the, the, the result against Real. So we have to be looking at the league and thinking we need to win those eight games. But regardless of the context, whoever they are, win those games. And then we go from there. And if, we, if it just so happens that we don't qualify, we don't qualify, that's fair enough. We, we can't do anything about that. But at least from a performance side, like we probably don't deserve top four. Uh, overall from the season but I suppose for a springboard for next season we kind of we, we need it we need to be in that position because like I said as I said to you before recording like this Liverpool squad will not be arsed doing Europa League football there's not a hope in hell that they will want to do that unless we have like a rake of new talent like new squad players that will can play in in, in space of the likes of your Salas and Manes and that, that's a good way of betting them in and using the rotation but we don't rotate our squad that much in Liverpool. We always keep with our best players every match. So it just yeah, doesn't always, suit the way we play. I think I said that in a previous podcast. It's like for somebody who complains about not having enough subs, for somebody who complained about yeah. not having five subs, Klopp doesn't like to use even the three that he's given. Yeah. You know, like... I think that, that will be something that's going to be cross-examined a lot over the summer because, yeah. and this actually ties in quite well with, with our Champions League talk, which we're going to get to now. Um, it was very evident in the Real Madrid game uh, about how how complacent Klopp has been a little bit tactically, right? So we started off the game, as you would kind of expect for Liverpool, a 4-3-3 and designed mainly for high pressure, high line, try and bother the, the Real back line so much. And essentially the midfield is, uh, in a matter of speaking, on cleanup duty, right? You have, you have Fabinho in there, rock solid, Genie and Keita as press, pressing as well. So like Keita, in theory, Keita brings the energy, brings the kind of like the work rate, the box-to-box idea so he could be say as Keita you have can bring the ball out to him in the in defense you can have it then to Wijnaldum and and one two and switch it up the field that's what Keita does in theory now he hasn't really shown that because of injuries and just not been able to get in the squad properly um and it's, it's a bit of a shame and he kind of fell on the sword a little bit in the uh in the Real game because just tactically we could not handle the Real midfield it just was not fucking working Cruz is on fire Here's the thing with that, right? Zidane also plays a 4-3-3. So he played us like for like. And his thing, his midfield blows errors well out of the water. Like you are not in any context, you are not going to compete with a midfield of Casemiro, Cruz and Modric. That is just not Not possible. the way that they're playing now. They are playing no. some sumptuous fucking football. Absolutely not. So to try and meet them kind of like like uh, like face-to-face in a way was never going to work. We had to do something different. And, and that's why I was hoping that we were going to do the front four um, setup that we've actually been doing for some of the bigger games uh, this season. Like the Man City game comes to mind uh, at the start of the season when we had Jota fly, firing on full cylinders. And literally all we had done, there was actually no formation up the top of the field. It was a case of whoever is in front and everyone's in proximity to each other and you'd lump the ball over to them. And that really terrified Man City because they're going like, well, where do we mark? Where Everyone's running at the same time. I don't know how to deal with it. And then we got tired and uh, I think someone got injured and we just said, right, let's not let's not run around because we're all bollocks. Um, and, and that was a shame. But that the, the actual premise is there. The theory is there to do something like that. 
Um, so when Thiago came on and Keita went off at 40 minutes, the second half performance was so much better, was so much better from Liverpool. But it was too little too late. We're already 2-0 down at that stage. And then Rodrigo got a second goal, which was, I'll be honest, against the run of play in the second half, it was a bit of a sucker punch. But the fact that we couldn't handle Rodrigo on that side, it, it, it says a lot. Uh, like a lot of a lot of them talk about Trent this season about how he's a liability defensively, and like I can't like okay, this again ties into my cod later on, but I can't understand how every single TV pundit in England has not realised this until now. Like well, you it, have been waxing there, lyrical about how good knowing this a team's, is. there's knowing a team's weaknesses and being able to do something about it. Like mm. everybody's known the sheer amount of space in behind the Liverpool fullbacks. It's whether or not you can do something about it. Like, most other teams don't have fucking Tony Cruz pinging long balls over mm. the fucking midfield. You know, uh, to Casemiro or or whoever the fuck is... Rodrigo, yeah. Rodrigo or anyone like that. Yeah. Rodrigo, you know. Like, they just don't have that. And that's the point. It's, mm. it's, more, of a case, it's more of a case of Real, like, knew how to play and just geared the team towards it and it turns out oh, Real have actually a very fucking good team Who knew? yeah it, it's almost um, like they had a game plan yeah I, that's what I was just kind of it was like their game plan just trumped your guys plan and um, even making the change before half time was just kind of clear and obvious that like I've made a mistake here yep I, you that know um, and uh, what I will say from the neutral point of view, it was a very entertaining game because Liverpool did have some chances, but absolutely lacazetted them, which is my new term for fucking fucked it, burned it, <laughs> wasted it. Um, but like, yeah, like I'm thinking of Mane's breakthrough, like oh. where he absolutely fucking forgot how to feet. Um, yeah, no, it was just, but then like I, Arsenio's goal was just fucking, oh, loved it. And Vicinius mm. Jr., I, he's a player that, like, you kind of hear things about and you're like, yeah, all right, grand. But then when you see how he played and how the goals that he got, like, there weren't, like, world-class goals or anything. But his movement, I found really good. Yeah. Um, he's your stereotypical Galactico in the case where, like, yeah. like he, him and the likes of, like, him and Coleman kind of come to mind here, where, like, they have just, like, they have lived their entire lives at big clubs. So they have been they've been made in the mold of wherever they've been. With Coleman has been between PSG and Bayern, and with with Vinicius and Rodrigo and a few others in that team, they only know the Real Madrid setup, and that's great because like they're so young, like that team yeah. will be built between those two Brazilian stars who will play internationally as well. I look at like the comparison there between Emil Rowe and Saka, and I genuinely think they're on that level. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Saka. I think Saka's got a really high ceiling. Um, yeah, the talent. It's going to be unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's it's just going to be fucking. It's going to be brilliant. But funnily enough, when I watch that, when I watch that game, I always laugh because every time I watch Real Madrid, I always think that back to Danny Ceballos going, "Oh no, I want to go back to play for Real Madrid." And I look at that Real <laughs> team, and I look at the Danny Ceballos that plays for us, and I go. You're not going to be a Real Madrid player, Faye. You're fucking not. I've got more deal. A Real Castillo player. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can play for Castillo, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking, I was like, yeah, I've got more of a chance of getting that Real Madrid team than you do, pal. Fuck yeah. right off. And, like, um, and you, know, you know the magical thing is, it's actually quite refreshing to see Real like, being a bit of a force again in the Champions League because they've had some really acrimonious exits the last few years. So 
in a way, it, it, it feels quite normal to have like Real Madrid taking the Champions League seriously. It's a very Zidane thing to do, to be fair, because he loves the Champions League, um, as hence he won it three times. But um, but even then, like it's, it, 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 it does make sense that we lost 3-1 to Real Madrid, because I think it could have been a lot worse. You know, uh, we could have we could have let that, that stadium 4-5-0 or five nil down and the tie was over. So the fact that we did get the away goal, despite VAR desperately trying to rule it out, um, I'm 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 quite happy because that gives us something to work with in the second leg. As I was saying earlier on, I don't think we'll go through because I can't see us keeping the clean sheet. But then again, I saw the same. I said the same thing against Barcelona, and look what happened there. So we might get a we we might get a result. I don't know. Yeah, but that's um, against the sham that is Barcelona. I mean, like Real that, are so that's the thing. It's a very together. different ballpark. It's a very um, ballpark. you know they've somewhat. I mean, I think also like I think Zidane has probably turned around to his players and spoken to them, and he's probably done. I guarantee you, like, you know, the way they do a lot of video, they do team watch, uh, video analysis. I guarantee you, he showed them a clip of every other team that they could potentially meet up in, in the Champions League and gone, we can beat every single one of these, right? Bayern are completely off the boil. Um, mm. Yeah, they dominated Paris Saint-Germain. They had 31 shots. <laughs> but, they only, but they only scored two and chipped three. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like... I, I, he goes like literally. I think Paris Saint Germain is the only other team that could beat Real Madrid. This, um, to 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 this one because Dortmund aren't going to do it because the rules won't let them. Um, <laughs> as we'll see, when, as we'll see when Bellingham stole the fucking. Did you see the Bellingham goal? The disallowed Bellingham goal. Mm, ridiculous. It, it, it like it'll make you want to vomit blood. Like uh, what I did get was um, people retweeting Bellingham's retweet of <laughs> "I'm so fucking disappointed, man." Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was disgusting. Basically, Ederson gets caught in the ball, which is actually unusual in and of itself because yeah. he's actually probably one of the best ball playing goalkeepers. I think he's the in, best. He's yeah, the I, best think he, I think yeah, I was about to say not just in the Premier League. I actually think he's probably the best goalkeeper with the ball at his feet on, in the world. Yeah. But somehow Bellingham manages to catch him, which is probably actually more of a testament to Bellingham's incredible fucking talent. And just dispossesses him. And it's a simple dispossess. Gets the ball around him and slots it in. <laughs> and he's judged to have fouled him. I was going, what? I was like, oh. first off, Edison is like twice the size of Bellingham. And it, it, it's hilarious. When the two of them go up, to, up against one another, the size difference is ridiculous. Like Edison is a, big man like he's mm. fucking huge um, and <laughs> just the notion that he felled him is just like you look at her going what the fuck but VAR apparently couldn't review it because the referee had blown the whistle before the ball had gone into the net yes so it wasn't a goal review then so yeah. it wasn't a goal review and I'm just going like Are you fucking lad fuck it, off. it was a really it was a similar situation it's a similar like like semantics to the Brummy goal or sorry, was it the Brummy goal no it was a Brighton goal against Brummy where like it was a it, was there two whistles or one because there's only one yeah. whistle you can't do anything but it's two yes now we can take action it's like fuck it in there that's a goal <laughs> <laughs> I was like I like it I've just sorry to interrupt you, but I've just sent the link into a goal that France have just scored against England in the women's friendly. And mm. uh, as I've captioned, Not friendly about that fucking goal, I tell you what, that ball felt every like fucking bit of that. Of, the opposite <laughs> of Lacazetting. <laughs> it's she has time to place the ball, but she's like, 
fucking toppings. Absolutely, yeah. And she doesn't even like it's like you can see her setting up going, I could probably side foot past it the fuck it. She absolutely cunts the ball with the outside of her foot and rifles it and it goes in off the top upright. Oh you know, which, oh, like, which, which side, makes it better. Yeah, on a, it, it makes all goals scientifically proven to make all goals eighteen point seven percent better. Yeah. Um when it goes I love how your percentage changes for every single time you repeat that. It's a that peer time. review. <laughs> right. It's a peer review. It changes every year because it's empirical data going into it. <laughs> scientists. Well, actual know. scientists at play here. Oh bad. But uh, anyway. But the, the rest, the other quarterfinals, uh, as Neil alluded to there, the very tasty deal that was PSG Bayern. And put in a bit of cow amongst the pigeons, to be fair, because I don't think we gave PSG that much hope going into this match. I didn't. Um, but then again, like PSG just leaned, they, they played to their strengths, and their strength is called Mbappe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Bayern decided, oh, yeah, we're not going to mark him. Mm. Uh, which is always a good, which is always very good because I think they mistook Mbappe for Neymar and going, yeah, he's not going to play well. Uh, he's not going to do much. Don't, don't bother marking him. And then you go, oh, no, wait, he's the good one. Fuck. <laughs> 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 Whoops. Did I do that? <laughs> I, 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 I'm like, I, I loved it. It was a fucking great game. And again, Mbappe, like, stepping up to the big stage, he just fucking loves mm. it. He just loves these big stages, which kind of makes me wonder why the fuck he's even at PSG. <laughs> because like, yeah. you can go to any other club and get these big fucking games on the regular rather mm. than three or four a year. Uh, Maybe that's what makes it different because like, because everything's so routine every week and kind of means a bit more when he is in the Champions League. It's a case like, oh, this is actually a big deal. I'm not just playing nuns for the fourth time this season. You know, yeah. it's, it actually feels bigger, you know. So, yeah, maybe that's that, that could be a part of it as well. Absolutely. You know? um, one of the highest XG combined matches ever. Mm-hmm. It had combined XG of 5.14. <laughs> so, if, um, if anything, we should have got more goals. Is what you should have had say. more goals. Yeah, there should have been more. Um, uh, but you look at how Bayern were defending, you're kind of thinking, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we should have. Because, fuck Fair, me, yeah. Bayern were... Like the Bayern high line, it's it's always been a risk, and they just got it wrong. But the thing is, is they just didn't look like they could fix it. Like it was very yeah. obvious. Like it wasn't like as if they got to the ninety minute and then went, "Oh shit, this isn't working." It was very obvious from the beginning that it just was not fucking working. Mm. Um, the gap between Alaba and Sul was fucking like. PSG could run their entire team through it. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't, you know, and they wouldn't have been able to fucking smell the other players. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> and um, so yeah, so like and that that was just like Neymar was just gambling around there like a fucking bunny. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then that's just and then of course Mbappe just went in and went, Oh yes, I can take the game by the scruff of the neck here because Ooh. I'm I'm Mbappe. <laughs> Exactly, um, and he yeah. just rifled home two quite good goals, you know. Mm. Do you think? Do you think PSG can can take it home? Do you think they can follow through on it, or do you think? I hope Bayern not. Will get- I, I, I no, I don't think so. I don't. Um, I hope not. Paris Saint Germain shouldn't win it ever. No. Um. So yeah, yeah, that's shit. yeah, and yeah, that's that's just pretty much fucking it. Like I just. Mm. I think it's. I, I don't think Paris Saint Germain. I think. I think it's going to be Real. 
If I was a betting man right now, I'd put my money on Lama La Galacticos. I would not, to be honest with you, I would not disagree with that because, again, I was so su- pleasantly surprised at how well they played. You know, because, again, they played... Like, isn't that so horrible that how many times have you been their cod? Have they been your cod for terrible mismanagement of funds, just general cuntishness? And then you're looking at these fantastic players. I think, I think, I think twice. Oh. I think twice. I think Barcelona take up most of my cods. Yes. For like, I mean, like by contrast, Real Madrid are only are only three hundred and sixty million quid in debt. <laughs> which is fine like you can easily sweep that on the road not you know? 1.2 billion which yes. makes the fact that like everybody's talking about Haaland going to Barcelona because he was seen there even oh, more fucking lord have you heard wait have you heard the deal apparently that Mino Raiola is trying to get for him no he's no, he's not doing anything all he's doing is getting the fucking blowjob job on a boat he's not doing any of this the terms right the terms are he right um, Raiola the agent he wants 20 million, right? Alfie England, the other Haaland, yes, right? He wants 20 million for apparently producing, yeah, the most expensive sperm in the world, exactly apparently. like the most expensive sperm bank, right? Um, fucking he, Haaland's net wages are to be 30 million a year. Right, I'm, I'm, I can see the money coming up here, Neil. Continue yeah. on, right? At 70 and already. The transfer, and the transfer fee has to be a bare minimum of 150 million. Right, so if you had their way, Barcelona would be paying 220 million euros for Erling Haaland. Yeah. Minimum. Oh my good God. No. That's in their first season, right? Because he's on 30 million net a year. So... Taking in roughly to account for like almost fifty percent income tax, so gross he's going to set them back sixty million. Almost, oh yeah, sorry. And also, oh, yeah, point, yeah. when they when they were at when they were at Barcelona, uh, there was under the other stipulation was that Messi had to stay. Even better, even better. Let's just let's just pretend that football that money doesn't exist. <laughs> let's all just switch it. Like, this is what they were touting to a team that's one point two billion in the hole. Oh fucking hell. It's just ridiculous. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. You know. I think honestly, I don't know what level of reality that fat cunt lives on. But it's he lives not in a reality how... where he can. He's living in a reality where he's he's walking around with literally the hottest prospect in football. But he just seems to just not re- see that he like it's a fucking global pandemic and every club is broke. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and even clubs like Man City, who do who are state sponsored, no, nah, yeah. we're not we're not going to do that. No, stop. We need to get our five fans back in the back in the I stadium. I wouldn't even mind also, but um, Riola and Pep hate each other. Yes, that's um, has been well established. Actually, Pep is fucking utterly hate each other. And also, Haaland isn't actually a kind of striker. Like CE, oh, we've gone a bit off Champions League, but fuck it. Like CE are getting rid of Aguero, right? Yes. Uh, because Aguero, Pep doesn't really rate. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Like Aguero is literally one of the best finishers I have ever seen. The most consistently best finisher. Like a man, yeah. you would literally give him the ball on the box, and you can put your house on it. The ball's going to end up in the net. Mm. Um, and he's done it consistently for nearly ten years. So that's it. But the thing is, is that if he's not scoring goals, as he sometimes, often, quite regularly does, even more now. So now, he doesn't offer anything. Like there's nothing yeah. else there. Culture. He. That's all he. He is there just to score. Pretty the much. Ball. Yeah. And I think Haaland's kind of a similar sort of player 
you know, and that, mm. yeah, all right, he runs around a bit, but generally you don't want him running around. Like you don't want him doing what Lacazette does for us, which is picking the ball up from your defenders at the bay, at the, like in front of your box. Like yeah. if he's there, like you're like, what the fuck? I'm not paying this guy. I'm not, this guy's not taking home 30 million quid a year for me just to fucking, you know, pick it up from his center half. Fuck that shit. Rifle a home. Oh, and to be fair, like, I, I would say that as more as a criticism of Arsenal because, like, for me, Lacazette is a poacher. Like, you have him, like, facing goal and taking shots. I, I, th- I, think, he's, I think he's a bit more than that. I think he's more of a center forward hold up play kind of no, player. No. Have you no. seen his finishing, Jonathan? A poacher scores, puts the ball at well, compared, compared to what he was like at Leon, at Leon, he had that game because he was playing, he was his only role, his only responsibility was to score goals, and he was yeah. doing it. He had to serve. Now, granted, like, he had to service Leon. So he, of course, he every, if everything's on a platter for him, of course, he's going to score. He's getting the service, he's not finishing it. Well, that's Arsenal for you then. That's Arsenal ruining a player for you. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, absolutely. I disagree disagree with the fact that we're like, you know, we're the reason behind this bad form. He has always done these runs, he's always done this hold up play. He was there to kind of replace Giroud, which Mm. I disagreed with at the beginning, obviously. Yeah, Yeah, Um, but there was reasons, the reasons for that go a bit beyond Arsenal. <laughs> and more into the realm of fantasy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just been really dead. the look of absolute death. I'm now officially dead. Yes. <laughs> Rip. Ripping ripping pieces. But- and I know I'm harking on about the women's game, but like I looked at those chances he had against Lavia Prague and it's like Viv would have eaten them up. Like well, at the same time, does not does Viv actually like do any link up play? Does she hold? Yeah, the, she holds the ball because she's a free three. She she she's a nine and a half. Is how hmm. like she, it, like she drops back, does the hold up play, can lay it off to Beth Mead on the right, Katie McCabe on the left, Caitlin Ford on the left, Jordan Nobbs on the right. There's options. There's she can lay it off to Kate McCabe on the left, or Kate McCabe on the right, or Katie, Katie McCabe, <laughs> or Kate McCabe in front of her, <laughs> or she can pick it up from goal kicks, kicks from Katie McCabe. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like Viv does a lot, and even funnily enough, even if it, Viv can actually recognise when opposition teams are absolutely marking her out, like tripling up on her, and what mm. she'll do is she'll just drift away peeling up in huge gaps of space for other people to get in. It's a really good um, point to this. It's the last game we played against Bristol where it was Bristol. So it was kind of like, Joe was kind of like, have some fun guys. Do do what you want out there. Lads, it's Bristol. And (laughs) Viv did. Like she had, um, I saw this thing. She scored two goals, but she had an XG of um, 2.5. Hmm. Like a ridiculously like the amount of chances that she did create, like it was just like, but she hit the post four times. Now I know, I know, I'm slagging Lacazette for hitting the post in uh, against Savia Prague, but like Sophie Bagley in goal was also on fire. Whereas I don't know the name of the goalkeeper who was trying to stop the goals against Arsenal the other night. Um, I just kept calling him Doctor Doom or like Megatron because he had one of those mad huge. BDSM face masks on. Yeah. Oh, I think that's Kovar, isn't it? Is a certain is a certain because yeah. fu- he's a, also funny enough, he was fucking terrible with the ball at his feet. I don't know why we didn't just press him. Yeah, no, he's he's not a he's a very traditional goalkeeper. Like he's not. We are stupid. If a Bamiang had been playing through the center, 
Aubameyang would have pressed those balls better than Lacazette, who was constantly being told to drop back. Yeah. And to th- well, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just I, shocking. Like, I... Yeah. So, I you, suppose you, we you want to get on to now. Yeah, I, I might as well, yeah. Because, like I said, the in terms of the quarter, the Champions League, the, like Chelsea are true, really, with, with the two and the other one against Porto. And you probably put your money on Man City beating Dortmund. Although the away goal kind of... Kind of makes things interesting going into the Dortmund game, you know, because uh, again they're going away from. Yeah, home there. no, I'm like, I, I don't agree. Lo- loads of people have put Manchester with the Bayern and Paris Saint Germain kind of re- firefight, showing that mm. both teams are like fucking holy shit, porous at the back to say the least. People are always people have now earmarked City as the league favorite, Champions League favorites. I'm like, you fucking smoking crack. Let's see what Real did. Um, so yeah. I think it's it's just we're getting on to Arsenal now, and it's let's 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 go. Pain. It's pain. <laughs> be honest, it's pain. Well, yeah. it is, yeah. And the thing is, is that it needn't be. In the league, we've got the best run in out of anybody. We've got, mm-hmm. I think, we've got one trip to Chelsea. Hang on, here's what's our run in? Right, our league run in. Right, Sunday we play Sheffield United. Easy. Then. The Sunday after that, obviously, we have the second leg against Prague, right? Then the Sunday after that, we've got Fulham. Then the Friday after that, we've got Everton. The Saturday after that, we have Newcastle, um, or Ennui, as they're called. Uh, the Saturday after <laughs> why? that. Yeah, just why? Why? <laughs> Instead of Newcastle, now, you look it up on the fixture list, it's just like a, a row of question marks. <laughs> Um, or the shrug emoji. Uh, <laughs> um, Saturday after that, we've got West Brom. Yeah. Uh, the Wednesday after that, now we're getting into the midweek May teams. Mm-hmm. So the Wednesday after that, we've got Chelsea. Yes, that's the make or break one, isn't it? Yeah. We've Chelsea, got, actually. And that's at the bridge. So that's yes. way. Um, but then the last two games is Saturday 15th is against Palace. And then the very last game is against Brighton. Yeah, that's easy. It's it's, it's well, no, it's widely yeah, it's consi- no, no. Uh, people have crunched the numbers. It's widely the best run in, uh, last eight run in of any team. And oh my god, are we gonna fuck this up? <laughs> At the same time, you don't have anything to play for in the league. Like you're ten points off anything else. You're not going to make up that 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 with that. Swing yeah, it's it's, it's all in on the Europa League. You know. Yes which kind of gives you a bit of confidence in Arsenal because we are such a cup team. Yes, very like much so. We are such a cup and knockout team. Now, granted, our one all against Slavia Prague wasn't exactly dynamite. That's just uh, to, you know, make it interesting next week for the neutral. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just, it's just kind of like he's rotating now until he literally can't afford to rotate. Mm. Uh, and then... Then there'll come a point, particularly in the Europa League, when he's just like, "I gotta go full guns all the time. I don't care if I've got Chelsea tomorrow, um, <laughs> you know, or Chelsea in three days. I'm got, I'm, I'm playing my first team here, and Chelsea can have the dregs." Mm. Um, so that's pretty much it. But yeah, we're just, we're, it's, it's all in on the Europa League, and that's not a good thing because the last time we had to go all in the Europa League, we got trounced in the final. And just wasn't good, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like the, then in, again, like, the funny fact, enough, like we win the Europa League, and all of this is moot. That's that. Yeah. That, that is yeah, the thing about the it. Thing, yeah. We win the Europa League. Everything here is completely moot. 
you are literally arguing. It, it, it's not just a straw man argument. It's a straw man that's been set on fire and you're arguing with the ashes. Yes. <laughs> no, like, no, that's the thing. Like, if you look at the main protagonist of Europa League, you're the only club that kind of needs to win, if you think about it this way. Because let's face it, like, Man United are, like, they've already punched a ticket in the semis. They beat Granada, right? So they're, they're already true. And they're likely, at the moment, they're like, they're, they, Roma have beat Ajax in the first tie. Now, I still reckon Ajax will, will, will kind of get through there. But like for Ajax, like for them, the win the Europa League means qualification. Like that's that's all that really stands for. They can still easily qualify through the group to the qualification stages before becoming a simp in the future. Well, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't actually count too much on Manchester United. Now, don't get me wrong. It is Granada, and they are Manchester United. But they're gonna have like four players suspended for their next game. Maybe so, but what I, I, I was kind of more thinking for the semis that that would be the real challenge because yeah. like, both Roma and Ajax are actually more serious outfits than Granada. Well, Granada are having a super season by their, by their own right and, and they have like some very good, like, good individual players in the squad. You're still looking at like the semis as their major threat. And if you look at the Arsenal side of the brackets, like Villarreal, they got a, their way goal against Zagreb. That's kind of like halfway there already for them. For them. And Villarreal, you have to say with Emery in charge, like... Your 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 safe money will be on them against either Arsenal or Prague. You'd have to say because like he just has the pedigree in that competition. Well, yeah, but yeah, I suppose he he kind of does have a bit of the pedigree. But then again, his pedigree didn't help us. True, I like very it. true, very true. You know, is that Villarreal team you a man better than ours? No. Good evening with him. Good evening, yes. Yes. Um. Yes, funny enough, like the, the Ajax Roma game was actually quite funny. Um, because fuck me, like, uh, I watched the extended highlights because a friend of mine was like, Oh my god, you gotta watch it. He's a Fiorentina fan, mm. and he's like, you, you gotta watch this, you gotta watch this. I was like, Why do I have to watch this? He's like, Horror goalkeeping. I was oh. like, Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I love the always. We always find that the the, team, the the matches for you to watch just for years on you in particular. Yeah, oh my God. Um, it was funny enough. It was actually a Pellegrini son who scored it. Yes, Lorenzo. Uh, yeah. Lorenzo Pellegrini. So free kick, and like don't get me wrong, the keeper's right behind at the hallway. He he does hit it a fair all back. He does hit it, but he hits it completely straight. The ball is not bending, swerving, or doing anything else other than going forward in a straight line, admittedly very quickly. <laughs> and uh, the goalkeeper is just right behind that, and it just goes through his hands. Oh, Nana, yeah. <laughs> a lot, Jordan, um, my thing is, like, because we had him in the, we were playing against him in the group stages, and, like, the weird thing about him is that, like, he is a specimen. He's, like, he's a beast. Like, he, lo- he just has this, like, uh, presence but then when you actually do like challenge him, put him on the pressure, he just he's so rattled. And I'm thinking like, is this the this the goalkeeper that like a lot all, a lot of like Premier League teams wanted to sign? Like oh like Chelsea. No, 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 no. The Ajax yeah. goalkeeper, it, they they were playing their backup apparently. Some twenty year old. Uh hang on. Oh right. Jeez, I was wondering because like um No no. no, you're right, yeah, because he Onana was done for um for and for doping. Yeah. I remember now. Yes, no, yeah, no, I might explain the size. Uh, yes. Sherpin, Kel Sherpin is their backup. Yes, yes, yes. I remember now. Um, yeah, no, he was. He's not the best, to say the least. Um, but yeah, as as you as you saw in that match, to be fair, um, he he's not the best. And also, and funny enough, like the second goal they conceded as well was like 
the shittest clear out you've ever seen from like the corner was cleared out so badly that the Ajax player that sorry who who scored it for Roma Ibanez Ibanez was able to actually chest down the clearance mm. that's how bad it was he was able to chest now and then he fucking whipped the volley in like holy shit mm. um, ain't blaming the goalkeeper for that one but yeah. uh, he scored that in like the last minute it was just crushing yeah indeed um, so yeah, like uh, that's that's kind of where we were at with the uh, with the European uh, Championships. We will get back to it because at the time we come back to, uh, on this podcast, we'll have both uh, quarterfinal sets done, and we'll know where we were at for our potential uh, winners of both competitions. But for now, lads, it's time to dish out our pods for this week. And um, like I said, we've had a bit of time to wait on this. <gasps> had this stew for an extra week or two. Um, so I would like to start um, with. A, with Rio Ferdinand this week. So, oh. yes, yeah, so now this might send the, the field, but it's actually been like, it's part of a growing like issue I've had this season with punditry. Because um, I mentioned it a few times <laughs> over the season, how much it's got on my gears. Um, and really, it is just a case of like, it's my story, my cut is Rio Ferdinand and the pursuit of the hottest take, right? So, in the space of two weeks... Sounds like I, a really shit fantasy novel. It does. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Rio Fer- Ferdinand and the hottest take. And the hottest take, yes. <laughs> he wears Giacomo and is a Tory. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in the space of the three weeks, I, I have four hot takes from pundits that are in my mind at the moment that are literally have no semblance of logic have no semblance of actual like analysis, but are just designed to make people annoyed, right? Number one, Kenny Cunningham. He says, Luxembourg are a serious outfit. It's like, right. Look back at the sentence you said there, yeah? Right. They shouldn't be, compared to us, a, a, a country who has developed actually really good players over a long time, that should not be. And the fact that you are saying that to rationalize one of the worst performances by our national team in history is bad. And again, and, and to, to his credit, sadly, I took him to task about that because he's saying, like, don't, don't, don't fucking, like, he's saying, like, no, let's not sugarcoat this. This was a bad performance. Let's not, like, give praise Luxembourg for winning, absolutely. But let's not big them up as if they were our equals. And that's the absolutely. thing. They're not. Like, they're even, not with North, even with North Macedonia trying to give us a dig out by beating Germany, Yes, <laughs> that, that was good. That was good banter. That was, that was proper that banter. Was, that was terrific hashtag banter. Um, but yes, then again, like you know, you can count out with saying, "Well, we've beaten Germany." True, and North and Macedonia are actually going to the Euros. We're not. Yes, you know, they have qualified. Yeah, they are one of the few teams to actually take the fucking Nation- Nations League actually seriously. And shockingly, it got them into the Euros. Who knew? See, also Scotland. Um. But the thing is, like, so that's one, right? The second one was from Joe Cole, right? Um, again, a bastion of knowledge himself. Um, so he uh, was talking about Thomas Tuchel and how the, the, the result against Brest Brom. And he said, basically, he went full fucking, like, Pierce Morgan and said, this isn't the Bundesliga, mate. This is the Premier League. It's like, right, let's wind this back, motherfucker, right? He was at the Bundesliga once for Dortmund. One season. And then went to PSG and won all his championships there, right? So the fact that you don't even know, you only know him, Thomas Tuchel, for the fact he's German. And you've immediately assumed, oh, he must have been in the in Bundesliga for years. No, he was there for two. 
He got sacked <laughs> during the second one and went to PSG after that then and made his legacy-ish, whatever you want to call it. So the fact that, like, again, that was just as a soundbite. It's a case like, well, now Thomas Tuchel finally got his rude away. You can imagine pundits all across the country who are waiting for Chelsea to have a result like this. So you can finally go, oh, that Thomas Tuchel learning how, how stiff English football can be. It's like, as fucking if. His goal, his centre-back got sent off. Big Sam Allardyce knows how to target teams that try and play football. And Callum Robinson's a fucking legend. You can't yeah, deal with those three at once. The, the CR7, he, he ran wild on them. He ran wild. He ran wild. Fucking he Robinson wild. Alamania is running wild, lads. Right in time for Mania. Of half, he, you know what? If he discarded his hat trick, he should have finished the celebration by putting Tuchel through a table. He should have. And to be honest with you, Tuchel would be okay with that. He's he trying to kind of into it. Yeah, he would. He'd be like, I deserve this. He'll jump into it. He'll jump into it. Tuchel strikes me as a guy who did backyard wrestling. Definitely. Absolutely. And um, now, hot take number three comes from the sexual tension bracket that is Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, where they're talking about they're So, um, so it goes down to they are given a segment to pick their their Euro twenty twenty squad, right? You're, if you're all sitting out of there, uh, Rachel, you're gonna raise your eyeballs on your head, like you're like, nah, God, must erase image." I've not seen that. No, Gary and Gary and Jamie aren't on talking terms anymore. It's like Jamie's having too much fun with Mika now on a, on CBS. <gasps> Have you not seen that? that seen fucking the hussy. Alex Scott, Mickey Richards, Jamie Carragher all having dance-a-thons on CBS Sports now. It's, it's the well, future. That, it's difficult not to with Michael Richards because he is quite literally the most positive man on the face of the planet Earth. He is, and no word of lie, he is legit <laughs> saving like, punditry as it is by just being funny. Like, yeah. legit, like, he's, that's his only purpose in a sense. But he does actually make very salient points. The fact is that like people keep kind of forgetting them because he's so entertaining. He was like, "Well, listen to the man. Just, just don't like listen to his laugh and just like, oh, that guy's brilliant. Let's tweet that." It's like, no, no, roll back to the point he actually said, and you'll actually understand that he was actually telling the truth. Yeah, so, it's funny they've, they've assembled a really good punditry squad, all of whom are ignored for like different reasons. So, like, yeah. Michael Richards is ignored because he laughs every third word. You know, Alex Scott is ignored because she's a woman. Uh, it's, like, it's like what the fuck people it's like they're making great points but just like nah he lost more yeah. names than the harriet and now not not her so, like, what? what's she so ever what, done she's won everything literally <laughs> fucking everything <laughs> she is better at football than you will ever be gammon so step even the now down. even now she is better at football than most people like yes you know? but um so, so the third hot take came from Neville and, and, and Carragher because they were having this back and forth about what their Euro 2020 squad will look like. And like, obviously, obviously Neville has his big, you know, the head on and that kind of like that changes his, his, how he views the squads and so forth. But a lot of the discourse was on Trent uh, and his form going into the Euros and so forth. And uh, this also kind of ties in with Gareth Southgate a little bit because obviously he's just nowhere near qualified to be England manager. But um, but he obviously left Trent out of the World Cup squad uh, last month. And to be honest with you, I was kind of glad because like Trent could have done with like a break because the boy's been playing nonstop football for three years at this stage. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. I, I found that really really fucking weird by a lot of people. It's like the guy, like I'm not, I know he's young and you know he's got the fucking serious engine, but like he, 
you can't tell me like this Liverpool team isn't approaching severe levels of absolute burnout. Like absolutely, one of their yeah. players not being taken for international tournaments. You should be applauding that. You, you should turn around. That you should demand Klopp like say to no, no, none of his players can go. Fuck mm. it, like, you know. I'm gonna yeah. lock. I'm gonna lock them down in Liverpool. I'm gonna Fucking give them solid. those. Absolutely, yes. I'm gonna give them those fucking neck bracelets from Total Recall, and set up like sonic fucking barriers around Liverpool. And if they go outside of Liverpool, it's gonna explode, take their fucking heads off. Like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I love it. Liverpool have suddenly just turned into the battle royale. We've switched the night. Absolutely, yeah, totally. Yeah. We've all gone for Jap- Jap- Japanese uh, Fuku fucking uniforms. Yeah, from this, on. that's my point. Like you know, that's what he should like. Why are they complaining? Like, it's unbelievable. Like, they're co- constantly complaining that the players are playing too much. And then when mm. one of them, one of them doesn't get picked for international tournament, they go, well, why isn't he playing? <laughs> no, no, do you know what it is? It's not, it's, I, 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 don't get me wrong. I have no problem with him not going for a qualifier because I think, like, granted, form-wise is, is quite important for qualifiers. But if you're going for your actual, like, squad, and this is the, the my crux of my problem here, Right, so they compared him with the four other choices they have for uh, for right back. So, in your choice, like you have Trent, you know, Kieran Trippier, you've got Kyle Walker, you've got Reese James, and you have. You said Aaron that Yonisaki. wrong. It's Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker. Right. Now, in Neville's view, right, in Neville's view, he believes that Gareth Southgate is going to take Kyle Walker and Kieran Trippier. Trippier. Yeah. Right. As opposed to Reese James, who's had a super season, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who's a good natural, is naturally a good defender, and Trent, who has, who's a dead ball specialist, right? Well, and- the, the, what, what holds Wan-Bissaka back and what always has is that he's not a marauding right back. Yes, he is. He, he's a defensive right back. He's a defensive but right back. Yeah. Right back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I, I never believed Wambasaka would get in, and it's unfortunate because it's it is, yeah. it's never been able to be coached out of him. And I think actually that's kind of the reason why United bought him. They didn't want a remar- marauding right back because they were fed up getting absolutely carved open on that, on that flank. You know, the thing they were is, like, if you, when you see how he's worked with Luke Shaw, that is the right decision because yeah. though that back four is really really good because he all defenses are units. You know, it's very it's very old school, but it works. It works yeah, for absolutely. United. Yeah, um, but, but, like, but the issue I've had with that is has, a good, has had a good season with Atletico, though. He, he's been he has, really, actually, yeah. In fairness, he has, he's yeah, been really fucking good. And I think they're kind of hoping that, like, Simeone literally mm-hmm. flogging him, um, quite literally, <laughs> yes, <laughs> flogging him around the training pitch is going to kind of like, right, this guy is going to run his ass off. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy with that, you know, maybe, but like, at the same time, like, if I'm if I'm in that position, like. If I, like again, I'm I'm trying to build a team that's going to win the Euros or at least challenge for it. And the trouble is that like with Neville, Neville's been involved in the FA setup. He's bought into this English DNA propaganda that the FA brought out initially, where we're going to have complete stooges as coaches. We're going to have a distinctive style of play, which is basically like bored to death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, a style of play that's going to bore people to death, but somehow get us to the final or a semi-final where we lose on penalties because that's the English way. And they have conditioned like themselves. Brother. Yeah, <laughs> again, much like his brother, much like Southgate, and not Eddie Booth, right? Because he couldn't even get that fucking right, the spanner. Um, but like, but even then, like they, they have they have had all these stooges in charge, right? And the thing about that is, you are so 
optimistic, like not even optimistic, you're just delusional about how you think this is going to go. Like you will get to a stage, okay, granted, it looks likely that Trent is not going to make the Euro 2020 squad. I'm, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. But I'm just saying that when it comes to a point in England and you're looking at your right back and Kyle Walker makes another mistake or Korean Trippier is out of position or whatever, whichever option you go for, and you have Reese James and you have Trent Alexander-Arnold sitting at home like with their feet up, enjoying the, de- the, the, the summer off, and you're thinking, oh, I wonder why you didn't win the Euros. Is it because you didn't bring the best players you could possibly be <laughs> and because you don't have any skill set as a manager that you couldn't make it work? How is it that you have two of the most like perennially talented athletic right-backs and you pick the one guy who was good four years ago and the guy who's out in Spain now and I'll, I'll be doing very well for Atletico, but out of the loop and in his 30s? Like, you have... You, you have better talented out there, but because also, you don't rate the talent... As well. You can never rely on a former sport. Exactly. And this, this is the, also the delusion of the fact that, like, oh, well, they're, they're, they, were done in, they were good at Spurs and they're good at City. Like, they must be good. It's like, right, so uh, that means that you're not going to go for Grealish, you're not going to go for Madison. No, let's go for Mount and Lingard because Man- Lingard's on, on a loan at United. He's good anyway because he's at loan from United. Yeah. You see, that's how it works. Secondary <laughs> transfer. It's like... You know what, like this is already doomed to fail because in France and Germany don't have this problem. They pick their best fucking teams and leave it at that. It's not this kind of like, well, we have to pick the system that plays our best and Southgate wants to go to back four now instead of back three. It's like, just pick your players. Pick the best players in the country. <laughs> go, and then go, go, with a, go with a system you can coach. Yes. Right? If you, if you're like, coach, all coaches have a preferred system. And if, you, if you're a coach that doesn't have a preferred system, you're not a good coach. No, and I don't think Stokey is. Stokey is no, not. He's, a good not. he's garbage. He's absolutely garbage. Yeah. He is quite literally a toddler with an M16. Pretty you much, know, like, yeah. <laughs> with that team, they should be fucking killing it. Yes. And I, I just like the funny enough, like people always complain like about oh why are the English so untitled, or why are they so bullshit. I was like, look at how they underachieve. I'm like, mm. wouldn't you be furious? Like, we expect to even qualify. I'm like, we've got basically a ramshackle, you know, fucking Pirates of the Caribbean level national team. And, you know, we're not qualifying for tournaments and we're angry about it. Imagine if we had the depth of talent that the England team have, where, yeah. as we said, their under 21s is a fearsome looking fucking side. <laughs> you know, uh, that could eat. I, I reckon their under 21s could qualify. But then they're constantly staffed with utter morons who then run the team into the ground playing the absolute wrong way. I'm like, I would yeah. be I, I would be I would be right alongside them. <laughs> you know, I would be right alongside them going, England till I die, England till I die, and drinking myself into a fucking coma. Because Neville <laughs> was talking about the team that he was going to field. And do you know what he has in it? Rice and Dyer together. And mount up front. No Henderson, no Ward Prowse, no Madison, no Grealish. There's no imagination. There's no creativity. They're just well, there's, there's, there's no there's no forward thrust there as well. Like no, it's all the Rice it's likes all to go contained. on these marauding runs, but he every time he goes in these marauding runs, he winds up wrecking a ligament. Yeah, um, as he did because they can't yes. pick Rice anymore because he's wrecked the knee ligament. Uh, so fucking... Eric Dyer still in this fucking Euro in- England squad? Why? What that is he? One free, wasn't that that one free kick he took? One. He took a penalty. He took a penalty against Colombia, and now he's a fucking <laughs> national hero, like Chris fucking Waddle. He's yeah, the way. So like it's it's just like, like 
there's a funny thing is is that like the more you think about the England team, the more you understand how and why the fans are so insufferable. You're just thinking, yeah, yeah. wow, if we performed like that with the level of talent they had, I'd be insufferable as well. I wouldn't be able to look in the mirror. Fuck that. <laughs> Exactly. It's a decade of delusion of why we should have won. <laughs> you know, just, there's a mural of crying Paul Gascoigne in the corner going, why? <laughs> you know. But the, the crowning achievement, I haven't even got to the worst one, which is Rio Ferdinand, right? This is the most recent one as well. So he was, I think he was brought up in conversation on BT Sport about Newcastle and all their woes outs off the pitch. I, I, have you heard this, by the way, right? No. His master, Rio's, Rio's oh, master was that the plan. poll that they did where 95% of the Newcastle readers wanted... It's attached to that, yeah. It's attached to that. So, um, so essentially, yeah. So obviously, he's stacking up for Steve Bruce. Is it attached from the other 5% to saying, sorry, we didn't actually read the question correctly? <laughs> hey, man. Can't read, man. No. Um, no, what, what it was, essentially, the conversation was, I don't think, it, I don't know if it was on BT or Talkspot, it was on one of those ones, Um and uh, the conversation about Newcastle and the ownership of Mike Ashley and how the takeover stalled and all this sort of stuff. And Rio Ferdinand, right, from Pe- from a working class background in Peckham, right, rags the richest story as best it gets. He simply goes, well, why doesn't the Newcastle fans just lump together and buy the club themselves? Funnily enough, actually, Mike Cod is a footballer with a similarly fucking idiotic take uh, on football. Mm, well, we, we shall get to that uh, mm-hmm. soon then, because can you, like, the hubris of one man to have gone from an area that's well, also low income. Newcastle supporters can't even afford jerseys. They go to those matches bare-chested, freezing cold. They oh, they're not cold. Probably. You can't see because they're standing up. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you'll find a lot of them are well insulated. Yes. <laughs> and plus, the jerseys cost like 140 pounds and a firstborn child, so they don't. Well, they, they do. They do if you have enough. If you have as much uh, surface area to cover as they do, hang on. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> and and you know the, the the ridiculous thing about that is like um like it it was just the, the actual arrogance of it. It was a very kind of Tory mindset, which is why I called them that earlier on. It's like, well, why don't they just simply buy themselves out of poverty? Like, you're living in a, in a slum at the moment in Birmingham. Well, why don't you just simply move to Somerset where it's quite nice and you can talk to sheep for a living? Why can't you just do that? Why can't you just move and just leave everything behind? Why can't you just do that, poor person? Oh, well, why can't you just leave? Are you a crackhead with like four cents to your name and you're living on a mattress in the middle of a gutter? Why not move to Primrose Hill? You know, like they've great houses. You're so much there. better after a while. You won't even <laughs> notice <laughs> the leprosy. Fucking ridiculous. Like, yes. So, Neil, what's what? Let, let's continue in that vein. Who's your end? In, in the vein of incredibly successful footballers who've completely lost touch with reality and think, oh, well, all the rich people having all the rich stuff is good, is Philip Lamb. Is my God. I don't know if any of you, either of you, you probably haven't read his unbelievable column in The Guardian right now. Why The Guardian are even printing this bollocks is, I, 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 it's pure clickbait. You know, yeah. it's Guardian level clickbait where they let people come in and make points that are quite possible. Oh, they pretend to be highbrow when they're actually just like completely. Not even highbrow. It's just like, oh, we've got a famous footballer in. He's going to write a column. And then that footballer goes on to make like the stupidest fucking point that's ever been made ever. So Philip Lamb is arguing for that new European Super League. And that's oh, the no. thing. Oh, I like him. I like him. I really did. I, I'll, hit you with the, I'll hit you with the headline, right? A bigger, more diverse European Super League can help enrich football. I fucking now, in, all, 
I fucking what diverse? What what what's diverse about that? Are they all Caucasian? Like what's what's more diverse about that? The fuck like? Like there's nothing diverse about the European Super League. There's nothing. <laughs> That's terrible. I know, and apparently it's the first. It's the first in a series of columns. Oh, for um, he argues for an expanded league, which includes clubs from across the continent. Such um, as France. Predic- predictably, France. the comments on the the they oh, but what here's what how the Guardian are kind of undermining it that they've opened this up to the comments, <laughs> and the comments are just fucking, just unanimously like Philip. This is a lot of bollocks. <laughs> this yeah. is absolutely shite. It's big propaganda. Um, I find it important to mention one last thing. Every country, every club, like it's the it, the, the entire column right is just full of the most banal fucking trite nonsense like general footballing nonsense like it's real PR guff horseshit like you know the brand names in football aren't Facebook Amazon and Google and I'm not taking this out of context he literally starts off a paragraph with this um, the brand names are Facebook Amazon and Google but Real Juventus PSG Arsenal Barcelona Bayern Munich City and United through globalization they've developed worldwide communities uh, da, da, da. it's just fucking like it's so fucking shit like you know he's, he's counting globalization uh, as a positive thing oh my fucking god that's brilliant oh absolutely and then he got well, what did I? and uh, no 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 yeah, it's just it like you've got to read it. It's just so transparently yeah, like it is I, literally I think, like a letter written like, from the first class like, of the gravy train. Um, <laughs> but it's it's the whole thing is just basically uh, kind of like if Europe benefits, the world benefits. Ah, but it's like no, that's not how this works. You fucking idiot! You give all the money to a few, select few people; they're gonna keep it all. That's why they're rich. You fucking idiot! Um, I am personally shocked to hear that a man who played his entire career at Bayern Munich is advocating for something that was fucking thing. I find it important to mention one last thing: every country, every club should preserve, even emphasize its own identity and distinguishing characteristics. He so says this while well, championing, yeah, yeah, well, championing the the new Super oh. League. Yeah, oh, um. I'm like, if only every country had a kind of like domestic setup, which allowed for huge cultural variation amongst the different nations, but internally, and maybe even provide like a domestic cup competition where everybody could play to accompany a multi division system. Uh, you know, if only those things existed, that might that, be that, that, that idea you know, is yeah. too crazy for the 21st century, Neil. Like that. <laughs> Too much, man. Too much. It's fucking horseshit. Like that is woke. The, That's woke. It's even like it, it's it's it, the comment section on it is just fucking brilliant. Like file this next to uh, Michael Owens Dubai promo video. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jamie Redknapp and Tim Sherwood's Icon magazine with its adverts for speedboats and housing developments. <laughs> and I quote: uh, "This is a genuine quote." Housing development intended for an enlightened minority. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that sound was me cramming my fist into my mouth. <laughs> that, that like captains, yeah. you, know, oh. you might find Prince Andrew and Jeffrey Epstein holding up. There you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking ridiculous. But yeah, like, ah, uh, this is so fucking bad. Like, 
it's no like Oh, like, uh, like we, he actually uses terms, right? Now, th- this is how bad for the German to use these. Europe is the continent of the Enlightenment. That's direct. Quote. I've just read that straight off the fucking column. I was like, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> citation needed. <laughs> I just can't, I can't. Like, has he confused the European Super League for like his run as like uh, Prime Minister or, or Chancellor of Germany? Has he confused them two again? Because I know they're very similar. Like, <laughs> he's challenging Merkel for the local elections, is he? I, I, you know, Merkel could take him in a fight. I'm, oh I'm yeah, she'd low. stick a loaf on him and then he'd be down. Like you know, uh, it's just it's so like I just. It's a, it's one of those things where as you're reading it, you're kind of thinking, I'm not actually, I'm, I can't be really, really reading this. I must have huffed a lot of like rubber cement, and this is like some sort of fever dream. The only thing say is that like he is getting a ghostwriter to write this, and yeah. he's really sarcastic while saying this, but it's coming across as being like, oh yeah, Europe's the center of enlightenment, yeah. Yeah, and then, like Europe is the center of enlightenment. <laughs> Europe is the center. Yeah, European club football is the Silicon Valley of the sport. No, no, <laughs> you're lo- you're you're just point blank lying to yourself because if you're using that sim- that metaphor, it's Premier League because that's the one making all the money. It's fucking hilarious, right? He's like today, tripping and brutal tackles are heavily penalised, and such fouls have all but disappeared. No. <laughs> Players must now play fair and fouls are seen as a last resort. No. <laughs> he played under Pep Guardiola, a man who <laughs> fucking like, invented... Practical fouls. Rotational fouling. He yes. Like, oh my God. Like, can we can we do like a like a like a, an essay breakdown? Can we I, do like would, a, I would love to I would love review. to do a blow by blow because you could yes. literally you could literally pick apart and I, I genuinely mean this, you could pick apart every single every single line is complete garbage. Lads, let's laminate them. That's I mean, it. The very, the, very first, the very first line is garbage. The very first line is football has changed for the better. No, it hasn't. Fair. It's Fair. more racist than it's ever been. Yes. <laughs> With VAR, it's more confusing and unfair than it's ever been. Then <laughs> you've got to win the league again. Exactly. It's just fucking crazy. Like, women are allowed to play, which is obviously terrible. Oh, that, yeah. no, but, uh, you, you can play, but like, if you want it, like, you know. If they're on the pitch, who's in their fucking kitchen? Lads. Uh, lads. <laughs> lads. But yeah, um, I, I heartily recommend if you've got a spare 10 minutes, hop onto The Guardian and read Philip Lamb's first in a series of columns. It, it it's quite something. Uh, it is not beer. It is not beer and pretzels reading. Uh, I guarantee you, you. You drink a drink whilst reading this at your own peril. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> the the one thing you'll you'll be doing throughout this entire column reading is <laughs> you said what? <laughs> Did this the print? Fuck this. But uh, yeah, um, and I be honest with you, because it's a series of columns, right? I'm going to tell you to fuck off because if the second one is just as good, it's going to be my cod next time. Because <laughs> it's a different column, all right? <laughs> this, this supersedes our rules on having successive cards. I don't give a fuck. Because it, fuck off, right? Because <laughs> if he puts out this type of garbage next time, I, I'm like, I'm just going to go now here. I'm, the, I'm just not participating anymore. 
<laughs> to be fair, Neil, this could be the best piece of football writing since Steve Bruce's striker. Like, oh, that's a, let's be fair, yeah. Or the, the, the screenplay for United Passions. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> the powerhouse of acting that was Sophie Cleaning Lady. Oh, vomiting. <laughs> vomiting. And speaking of Burke Bots, we've saved the worst to last. <laughs> okay, so I had a late runner for my COD this week, uh, which was basically Instagram. <laughs> yes. What's yeah. up with the IG game? Come on. Horribly um, racist, Neil. Yes, specifically for the Babajide abuse that she got. So um, Puma has sent out a, a designer bespoke pair of um, boots to a lot of their Puma athletes um, this week. And they're all posting on their Instagram stories, them, you know, getting their gifted boots. And uh, Babajide put a picture up of her holding her boot. And one of the comments underneath it was, uh, you shouldn't be playing it's sport. the sport. It's a men's sport. And then used a very, very offensive racial slur. And, and sexist slur as well. He went for he doubled down wherever it was. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you shouldn't be playing a man's game, and you know, racist, racist. So, um, it was reported the the Babajide had reported this person. The account was uh, viewed by and inspected by Instagram, and Instagram said we have not found any inappropriate content on this account. Um you know, just block them and you'll be fine. Uh, so Puma have then come out to kind of say that we stand by uh, the player and anyone who is also racially or sexually uh, sexually uh, like, you know, abused online, these sort of things. Um, and uh, Liverpool have also come out condemning the statement. Um, yeah. and it's just kind of the, the latest in, you know, a series of, as we are well aware of, the racial abuse of players online. And uh, it is being highlighted, I think, a bit more about the sexist abuse that women are facing mm. ahead of the new WSL deal that has been signed, um, <laughs> where teams are being specifically trained to deal with online abuse. Yeah, I read Ars- the Arsenal women's team are being given like counselling sessions ahead of the abuse. I'm like going, oh, for fuck's sake, like... Mm. So, like you can understand it's absolutely necessary, but at the same time, it's like, it's absolutely... <laughs> shite it's necessary yeah yeah um so that actually brings me to my cod which is in some way linked to the whole sexism thing and it's birmingham city now i think are they my cods two weeks in a row there is a break between i think there's a break between i think yeah um i i couldn't not pick them because based on the stuff that made them my cod um or at least there were forerunners in my for my cod, uh, was they refused to pay a five hundred euro or five hundred pound fee to use uh, St George's Park when their pitch was deemed unplayable, and um, the five hundred pound fee meant that they had to forfeit the game, um, and with, or so they had to cancel the game, postpone it, uh, with five minutes to go until kickoff. So basically, they were running around with a pitch light trying to heat up the ground and thaw it out five minutes before the match where the ref said, nah, like, let's just call it there. It's not safe to play, um, which is absolutely shambolic in this day and age. And not only that, but it was meant to be the BBC aired uh, match, which mm. I think is why they were so, 
like so hesitant to, to like cancel early on. Um, and it was against Villa, so it was going to be the second City Derby match. So that kind of got a few headlines that, you know, it was kind of a throwaway comment by some journalist said, well, if they could have just paid the 500 pound fee to play in St. George's Park. Um, and that was kind of when people started to kind of pull at some threads there and kind of look at what's actually going on in Birmingham City. Mm. Um, so during the week, it was announced that Birmingham City women's uh, had wrote, uh, written a joint letter to the board, uh, like management board, board management, and basically seeking to be, you know, treated as humans. Um, if that's not too much to ask, please. How dare they? How honestly? What the fuck are you at? Oh, outlined a series of, um, I suppose, practices within the club and kind of uh, routines within the club that are just below professional standard. So mm. some that were outlined was and it's you know they, they've been coming out in drips and drabs so it was made public the fact that the players had brought this letter to the board of management it was made public that carla ward the manager of birmingham city had tried to stop them making a public announcement that they were going to the board and mm. um, trying to deal with things kind of in-house and I'll, I'll come on to that in a minute as to why that kind of it can be seen as being a bad thing, but also a good thing. Um, I feel like this thing was leaked. Uh, this letter was leaked in order to get pressure on the board, because if yeah. they had in-house about this, I can't imagine there'd be much kind of change being uh, happened. So, Considering as well, I'll just jump in and say, because considering the ownership of Birmingham City, they are like completely absent they are completely absent to the owners so if, and because they're also chinese owners so any opt anything like bad optics bad pr gets their attention but someone knocking on the door politely in the office in their club area doesn't happen just because there's no one there to deal with it so yeah you are right in the sense uh, yeah so uh, and one of the things is shivana hearn was one of the journalists who went kind of live with this report now, the telegraph had gotten kind of some snippets of the letter revealed to them and the athletic got a couple of other snippets and then Shivana Hearn went on Sky Sports and actually kind of said no I've seen this kind of you know I've got first-hand information and Shivana Hearn her sister is Rusha Littlejohn Irish international who has now moved to City since January and I imagine Rusha Littlejohn has gone in she's quite a senior player has been around the different clubs has kind of seen the different standards and went oh fuck this is not on. And I feel like since Shabana Hearn was one of the ones leaking the or leaking the facts from the letter, I've a strong feeling Rusha Little John is quite high up in the in the instigators of this. But some of the things that they outlined was that they were not given a proper changing room and that their weights room consists of a rack built and donated by a player's dad in the quarter cabin beside the pitch. Um, that they um, had the medical staff only travel to home matches, that they don't go with them for away matches. Um, that the um, the resources basically now, Birmingham City men's team are also very strapped for resources. Um, but the money going in for transfer funds, they lost a lot of players mm. in the last two years. They had the likes of Ellen White playing for them, they had uh, you know big names uh, playing for Ellen White was kind of the biggest name that they lost yeah. and he really replaced 
the the idea though was they were trying to replace her they had three contracts lined up in the summer all three of them fell through because the board weren't around to sign them mm. um like, like, they're disputing that that's the case there but it's just like the utter shit show and one of the ones that actually cut me the deepest was uh, the reports that uh, since underage football and kids football has allowed to go back training the women arrived up for a training session to find that the kids were already using their pitch mm-hmm. and that the pitch had been double booked and the under 12s got priority under 12s boys got priority over the professional women's team they had to go to the local park and train um and it, it, it's just like people like former players um uh harrop sorry i was trying to think of natasha harrop um oh might not be Natasha, Jesus. Uh, I'm getting her up anyway. Used to play for Birmingham. She retweeted the kind of crooks of the letter and kind of said, "It's one of the reasons I left the club that I've played for for all of those years." Yeah. Um, she's like, "I couldn't see it changing." The fact that they, I remember saying at the start of the year that the fact that they made um, Harriet Scott captain two just two days, I think, before they had to send someone for captain's like you know photos. Um, yeah. profiles for the FAWSL PR team um, they, like, it just seems like they're like oh you're around, you'll do it because they had such a bare minimum squad and the last point was that there was um, a point in the year where they were absolutely unable to field 11 or 14 players which is the minimum it wasn't COVID related, it was injury and other than COVID illness related and uh, they were forced to forfeit three points to Spurs, um, they are denying that this is the case. That they, they, you know, they tried everything within their power to to get the match, and they fought the the conceding of three points. Um, but they they didn't really. There's no evidence to say they fought it at all. That they just, you know, yeah. surrendered. Yeah. In January, they made some kind of signings to bring players in. They got. Ruby Mason on loan where she trains half the week with Arsenal and then goes up to play for Birmingham which is an unusual deal um, probably yeah. the best one it's probably the best yeah <laughs> <laughs> all the same it is the best for both worlds I suppose but it is like you know they're, it just kind of shows they were unable to get anyone full time yeah well um, yeah it is it's just um, Birmingham City were a Champions League team Birmingham City we're an FAWSL winning team. Yeah. Birmingham City have always been one of the stalwarts in uh, women's football. They have, you know, produced the likes of Ellen White, who is, you know, England's top goal scorer. Is, and who's uh, been the chief critic of all of this as well. Like, the club have actually responded negatively to her, yeah. saying all of this shit, you know? Yeah, bear in mind, I, again, this has been a recent development because of the ownership. Like the China, whoever is in charge of it, just do not acknowledge the women's team at all. And this is a very common thing with like a lot of the clubs in that in that realm. You know, like you, 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 like, you, you know yourself. Like there's a lot of teams that just don't have a women's team because they don't they don't rate it, they don't value it. And like there's a pattern there. You know, like right. um, if you if you kind of follow the line, you see like oh, there's a lot of teams owned by these kind of like mysterious venture capitalists. And they don't like a women's team, you know. It's not a coincidence. Like, like about up until like three or four years ago, Manchester United didn't have a women's team. Yeah, yeah and look how, look how look how look how much the, club on the planet. 
Yeah. And look how much the Liverpool team has gone down since yeah. FSG have taken charge. Like, that's yeah. their blind spot. They so the funny thing, the funny because I'd read about the Bering and City. Now, the at- Athletic article by Katie Wyatt is fucking shocking. Yeah. Um, but there's other things, right? So the letter that they sent, there's a bit of a report on it, right, in the Guardian. The letter report, some players are earning less than the minimum wage uh, and complain of delays in medical treatment for injured squad members. Uh, there's a lack of access to the training ground gym, substandard practice pitches, a shortage of pre-match overnight hotel stays, lack of payments for non-contract players and inadequate mm-hmm. changing facilities and travel arrangements before away fixtures. Um, this is backed up by the Guardian who's saying that um, Birmingham City women are being chased for thousands of pounds on unpaid agents fees. So apparently they owe one agent only three grand. Yeah, and also the the incident for the under twelve boys. They weren't just asked to leave the pitch; they were asked to leave the entire training complex because the car park was too full. Oh, the car park was full. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> um, so the, the board have responded to basically saying that like it's fake news. Fake news. <laughs> like all of those facts stated in the letters are false. Um, and like just on the whole thing about the travel arrangements, I hadn't got to that because. I wanted to talk about their response to it. Hmm. So their response from their letter is, geographically, we are fortunate enough to be based in the middle of the country, where we can travel to our fixtures without having to stay overnight. Oh, shit. There are exceptions, such as our rearranged early kickoff at Chelsea this weekend, where the team travelled down and stayed the night before the match at once, once this season. Which is the norm for other clubs. Um, teams reserve the right to operate how they choose and not every team travel the night before every away match as part of their preparations. <laughs> I love that. Like, if we want to choose to, to make women second-class citizens, then that's what we're going to do, all right? 12-year-olds are more important. We made June Bellingham. We can do it again. It is, it's just like, I'm not a Birmingham City fan, uh, but I actually just, my heart went out to those players because... Yeah. Like, how that whole thing about having um, delays to their injury prognosis. So there was a girl who broke her foot in trading. Yeah. And because there was no other, I'm sorry, players available that week and they couldn't forfeit another three points not being able to field a team, she played a match with a broken foot. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yep, Connie Schofield. Jesus yep. Christ. She did not initially have a scan uh, on an injured foot, um, uh, which eventually turned out to be broken, and she is now not unlikely to play for the rest of the season. Uh. That's fucking ridiculous. That's not, that's not the only one. There's been other like kind of missed ligament injuries, like calves just exploding because they haven't been given a chance to rest. Um, yeah, and it's like, like if they're doing very well, not to be actually rock bottom of the table considering how terribly they've been treated um but their statement was there was no apology it was this is fake and this is why it's fake giving some inane reason why they are in their rights to serve these people or you know to treat these people as second class people um but yeah um so that is my cod i feel sorry just actually my last point is i feel sorry for carla ward because she's kind of they're like but the manager the manager sticks by us like you know she is a really good appointment and I have to say like I think I rate her very highly as a manager um like 
not quite Emma Hay standards, but definitely, you know, trying to follow in those footsteps. Yeah. Um, and um, I think she has a really bright future, but if she's not fighting for the rights of the players to get um, proper equipment, um, that's obviously a slight on her. If she mm. is doing what she's doing with that team, despite fighting against the tide, um. Yeah, I think she that she's doing a great job. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the Guardian, the Athletic article states that Ward, whose Ward, whose stock has risen following her work this season on absolutely meager resources, has fought for them throughout the whole campaign. Yeah, like she's like she's someone I would love. I would earmark as like as someone I'd love to see Liverpool acquire as a new manager because still, we're still working with with Jepson this isn't who's been doing like ridiculously well by the way, um, yeah. just on a tangent. Yeah. Like just again, she's not even using Babajibe, rarely using Furnace. She's using her own players, and it's working really well. But the thing is, like, I would love to have someone like Carla Ward take over the Liverpool team because I think like she can do a great rebuild project in that club. Again, but the problem is like you need a club to actually want to be there. This is why I wanted to bring up the W the the TV deal because Sky when, when Sky do blanket coverage, they do it superbly well. Like you look at netball, you look at Formula One, you look at the championship, EFL. When they want to put their eggs in one basket, they fucking do it. And here's the thing. Like they are, they don't just broadcast in England. They're Ireland. They're all across the world, all across the Commonwealth. People will watch Sky Sports and they will watch the rolling news coverage. So if you're a team and if some, if a shambolic thing is happening in like Formula One or in, in netball or whatever it is, that gets traction, Right. Like, whenever there's a Hames or if something bad happens in those sports, it's on Sky Sports News, on the hour, every hour. Now, if you're Birmingham City, right, and you're seeing this TV deal come along, and you're seeing all this new coverage and all this new, these eyes coming on to the sport next season, and you're still in that league, and you're still pissing about with these girls, giving them no rights, you're in trouble. Because you could be looking at a men's team that's in League One, not going anywhere, and a women's team who's in a much better position, which are doing nothing about and then suddenly you have actual journalists from Sky Sports now dedicated to women's football. You can have the likes of an Alex, if they wanted to go this far without Scott or even get other people on board. Let's just say, just throwing out there, Melissa Reddy, for example. Could you imagine if Melissa Reddy, as the fucking news town she is, knocking on Birmingham City's door looking for answers? They are shitting themselves. Or at least they should be shitting themselves about this. You know, the fact that now they have this wider audience that will now be paying attention to the dark arts that's happening at that club that should really scare them into doing something about it. Because now they have all the money coming in. They don't have this problem. They're, that's a better, that WSL deal is better than them being in League One. That's their priority now. You should be focused on the women's team because it's making more money now. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's also, that is actually why I'm, I'm, I'm having Birmingham as my, as my choice for pod because like, even reading, I, I actually kind of kept myself off that article just so I could kind of hear from yourselves. Because I didn't, in a way, I didn't want to spoil myself, but I wanted to actually hear the actual like the nitty gritty of it because yeah. it's just so it, it's so horrendous. And um, but like, and the, and the tragic thing is, it's such an, a, a repeated story in women's football, particularly in England. Like we were talking about Liverpool last season about how they had them playing on a fucking bog, and what happened? They got relegated as a result. Um, oh, and actually, like, just um, on the pitch, so obviously their pitch has yes. been unplayable for many parts of the season. Uh, you know, as, as previously mentioned in this podcast, um, they have now, if they retain their WSL sta- uh, status, 
they are allowed to play at St Andrews next year. Oh, what an honor! Well, well yeah, but like that's that's a hollow thing because there's going to be no, they be there's going to have no fans for the first bit of the year, and yeah. they still don't have any training facilities. That is such a hollow gesture. You yeah. know, that's uh fucking. But um, but yeah, like that that's the thing because it, it's such a very repeated story overall, and literally there is a drop in the ocean of these parties finance of these clubs. You know, like, why is Leicester, like, suddenly a Premier League team in the in WSL? Here's why. Because they're taking it fucking seriously. They're, they've put whatever money they need to put in, and that'll get them up the table immediately because they're taking it seriously. It just needs clubs to try. And you know what? It's, it's not difficult. You know, Man United are already top three after three years for giving them yeah. a little bit of money. It's not difficult. Yeah, exactly. But it, it works. Just do it. It's not difficult. Um, Burpa, how about yourself? You have a choice between Philip Lam or Rio Ferdinand. Who's your favourite defender? Who's your favourite oh, bullshitter? Oh, um, I, I will say that the, the pundits really, really great me. Um, I, I don't tend to listen to pundits anymore just because they're looking to either referee bash, and rightly so in some cases where the referees mm-hmm. make games of the decisions. But I find there's not enough focus on tactics so much as there is on individual errors or individual you know whether it's referee errors or player errors I, I find when I'm watching kind of you know post-match analysis it's all kind of like what's going to get the clicks the next day yes. rather than here's a nice piece of play or this was clever you're not actually getting in-depth analysis of the game you're getting in-depth analysis of certain flashpoints of the game which doesn't give you the overall picture of the game anyway that's just my own personal gripe about analysis of football at the minute um, Philip Lamb was completely new to me and kind of blew me out of the water in for yeah. like of how up his own arse. Don't worry. When, when when you read the article, I'll be able to hear your jaw hit the ground from here. Um, <laughs> I am gonna go with the pundits. Um, okay. Bad pundit takes, but could just because I have a feeling Philip Lamb is going to make many, many, many. I was about to say we could have like a, a a serial offender here. For the next few yeah, weeks, I very much so. I'll go with Birmingham City. Woo! Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, it's they don't don't celebrate. There's nothing to celebrate there. It's no. like, hey, <laughs> we've no rights. Woo! Fight the power. <laughs> you know. But anyway, um, yeah, that's kind of a, a sour note to end on. But nevertheless, um, that's been the that's been our catch up on football. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, um, bit of a want to finish it on a wee bit of a high women's team now. The American NWSL uh, have released all of their team's new kits, and there's some fucking good-looking kits in there. Um, highly recommend giving them a look. Mm, the that's the Orlando Pride one. Is that the one with all the flowers? No. No. The Orlando Pride one is the moon jerseys. Oh, no, I like that one. I like that one. But there's one full of flowers. I don't know whose it is, but I'm kind of like, mm, I'd rather wear me Nan's curtains, to be fair. Yeah, shit, actually, because it's actually it's the title picture, but they don't actually say what team it is. What the fuck? Oh, Han, it's Racing Louisville. Of it course. Is, yeah. Yes. Racing Louisville. Uh yeah, the midnight violet and lily flower look. That's no, not a jersey, that's a perfume. That's a, can- <laughs> that's a scented candle. But uh, yeah, but um oh, no, Orlando Pride Orlando Pride actually you probably actually might be buying a few of theirs because they're going the, the moon kits are really, really, really fucking nice. So it's basically all white with different kind of shades of white 
denoting the whole thing with the moon as the crest on one part of it. Um, but also they're, they're doing specialist moniker kit collections, which are limited edition jerseys to honor legendary players. So um, the, the reviewer for The Athletic said, my wallet and heart are not prepared, are not prepared for when they launched their moniker kit for Marta. Oh, oh, yeah. It's so, uh, going to be red lipstick or purple lipstick. Yeah, they actually have her on it, like with the purple lipstick um, on it. So, yeah. So that's actually going to be Love really, really it. fucking Love good. It. Yeah. Well, thank give you. it a look thank in the Athletic. Yeah. It's actually really, really fucking good. Yeah. I have to say yeah. this year has been a good year for jerseys, just kind of across the board. And I do I feel like because they're trying to bring in some sort of cash flow and it's working. Like... Mm. I have got three jerseys from the League of Ireland, three different teams. And I know it's blasphemous to do that, but like, <laughs> they're just really good jerseys. It's all trivial tribalist nonsense, Burkwa. Don't, don't ignore Neil and his, and his, and his failings. <laughs> Both for life, you cunt. <laughs> My point exactly. Top anyway. Top of the table. Top of the table. <laughs> actually, I think we beat Dundalk. Hang on, wait a minute. Fuck you off. You did actually beat him. Yeah, you, you beat Dundalk, yeah. Yeah, fuck you. Me, but you did win it. Yeah, shower so, bastards. There you go. Uh, to be fair, I we also beat Dundalk two weeks ago. I'm happy with that. With that so, um, so yeah, uh, lads, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. And um, hopefully, you all enjoyed it. If you uh, enjoyed this and want to hear more, then please follow us on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast because we do these every fortnight to keep uh, you up to speed. Or indeed, uh, uh, if you're not, you just want to hear us ramble about football. Either way, we got you covered. We do this every fortnight, so by all means. Uh, keep an eye on what we do on Spotify. And if you want to hear more from us overall, then you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we are on the road to 200 subscribers, but for reasons I will not go into detail here. But uh, either way, it's been going good. So by all means, uh, join us on that. And if you want to keep track of everything we're doing overall, then we are on Twitter at Monday Madness LP. But for now, guys, thank you very much for listening. And uh, we'll see you on the next one because all of that was Liquid Football. Woo! Woo!